Welcome to the Barack Obama approved. Oh man, I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> this is going in. This is awesome. <laughs> this is like the 60 plus time this year. Thank you very much. So I'm allowed to have these mess ups. Welcome to the Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast. Hyphenation. I'm your dashing, daring, and debonair host, Kellen Conley. And I have guests, just as I promised for like all month long. I've been saying I'm gonna get I'm gonna get this guy on the podcast. I've been going to get this guy on the podcast. So finally, guys, George Gerbo's on the podcast. Welcome back, Gerbo. What's up? What's up? Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Happy New Year. Happy end of decade. Yeah, man. <laughs> Three Tom Club. This is a big deal for you. I know. I know. I appreciate it. I, pre- I appreciate the the invite. I'm excited. And two more than Osti too. Ah, there we go. That's the goal. That's always the goal. That, yeah. So you can rub that in his face as Daniel Bryan does a flying headbutt. Um, and then also my semi regular co-host Marcus Show Mad Love Robinson is here, ladies and gentlemen. Shit, shit. I'm looking at my Gundy's fucking mullet in 2019 like <laughs> god there's more the most country shit i've seen in the last like in the decade him having a, a a mullet this entire decade is is wild to me but good for him good for him wow oh man so on that note Speaking of Mike Gundy, <laughs> not really speaking of Mike Gundy, Marcus wanted to get together because you know he's the thought father. And he said, let's do an end of the decade sports podcast. And I said, bet, who do you want me to get on it? And he said, I want Gerbo. And I said, well, <laughs> I can definitely do Gerbo. So I hit Gerbo up and I hit him up on Messenger first and it failed me. And I was like, oh, man. I don't want to tweet him. Like I could tweet him, but I want him to see it because it's a couple days out. So I was like, I have his phone number in here. Why do I have his phone number? Let me try his number. And I called him like an actual person used to do before cell phones. And he picked up his phone and we <laughs> talked. And he's like, I'd love to come on a podcast. When you want to do it? I was like, Friday night, are you free? He's like, yeah. And so that that's how it happened. I used the magic of the telephone to get him on the podcast. <laughs> Simple man, I'm a I'm a simple guy. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> just reach ain't, out and I'm there. <laughs> ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that at all. Um, so so thank you for being here, Gerbo. But the thought father, aforementioned thought father, has mm-hmm. curated a list of questions as he is known to do. So I'm going to hand the reins over to him, and I'm going to guest star on my own show and just let him do his it. thing because this it, this is the first time me and Marcus have talked on the pod since October. So this is like long time coming. We, we've been, we needed a break from each other is what happened. So now here we are. So Marcus, if you want to take it away, you go right ahead. Well, one thing, boo, I will never need a break from you. Oh, so that's the first you're too thing. Good to me. You're too good to me, by the way. Oh, stop, man. Just FYI. You don't make me blush in front of George. Um, hey. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but so, so yeah, well, as people on the pod probably know, like sports are, you know, one of my favorite shit other than, you know, uh, the Avengers and Marvel. One of um, my favorite shit. 
much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I, I spend an uncanny amount of time just, you know, following sports, particularly on the pro level. And so I definitely wanted to get together, uh, you know, just to discuss some of the sports over the last decade and just sort of, you know, think about, you know, the sort of the best of and maybe even the worst of, uh, you know, the 2010s. Um, so, yeah. Like Helen said, I put together a list of questions just to sort of surmise the decade, um, looking at different uh, teams and different individual players and just sort of the, the decade overall. So, all right. So if you guys are ready, let's get to it. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the shits. Oh, yeah. We with the shits, boy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I was right. like, what did I get myself into? No, nah, no, nah, I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. So the first question that I, I came up with was just overall the 2010s. Like, do you guys think that this should be considered the best sports decade? Like, because I think you went right into the one that none of us have an answer for. Nice. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, man, sometimes you got to think on the fly, man. Because even if you think about just sort of, you know, our lifetimes, like me personally, like I've spent. You know, the 90s, the aughts, and the 2010s watching, you know, pro sports, right? And so I think, you know, we definitely romanticize and idolize the 90s. Um, You know, Jordan, Shaq, uh, you know, Steve Young, you know, Gretzky, like all these, you know, different athletes coming together in these different sports. The I feel like the 90s were like the real time of the sports boom. Um, But I think that's the, the 2000s. It was a pretty interesting time, too, but I was wondering if you guys think that the 2010s is going to eclipse all that. So, uh, George, we'll start with you. So where do you stand on the 2010s? Do you think that it is this best, uh, is the best sports decade, or do you think this decade is better? I, I, I actually do think this has been the best decade. Now, I'm willing to give deference to like the nineties and stuff, because I will say that we kind of lack, like you, you just rattled off like three, four names that were, you know, Jordan and Barkley and Elijah Wan and Gretzky and Shaq. Like we, the, those guys are, are larger than life and transcended um, their sport in a lot of ways into the culture. And although we've got a lot and, you know, make let's make an NBA to NBA comparison, although we've got a lot of guys now like Giannis, like Dame Lillard, uh, you're seeing Luka Doncic, those guys aren't yet household names in just like an average American home that doesn't know much about basketball. So I will say that the 90s had the personalities on lock and maybe that's because we were just coming into you know, the internet and cell phones and, you know, before smartphones and when television was still, you know, king of everything that I think, I think the athletes were more, they've got more visibility now just because there's so many platforms and everything. But I think you had guys that were larger than life. And some of these guys now, even though they're stars and we know who they are, maybe they're not larger than life yet. Like those guys in the nineties were. Um, so I'll give the nineties or due on that. But for no, no, I think I mean just and the crazy part is about this decade is it's been it's literally been across all sports. Like people forget, you know, a because you didn't live through it, or b because you're not like me and you go back and you watch old footage of stuff because I'm I'm like that. But if you go and like look at the score, just like 
you know, game games weren't competitive, you know, for a lot of years in a lot of sports. Like Super yeah. Bowls were frequently blowouts. The the Niners when they I don't won, miss that. Yeah, like the Niners, you know, when they won a couple of their Super Bowls, blew teams out. Um, the Bears blew, you know, blew out the Patriots in their Super Bowl. The Bears, you know, in the '85 Bears, one of the greatest teams of all time. Like it, th- there was not, it was not level. Like there was a dominant team in a lot of cases. I mean, the the the, the who am I thinking of? The Lakers and the Celtics essentially won every NBA title for about 20 years. And then yeah. the Bulls came along. Then the Bulls won. You know, like they just think about that. That there were like for a period of almost 25 years. Th- essentially three teams throwing the Pistons. The Pistons won a couple. The, the, the Bulls, the Pistons, the Celtics, and the Lakers won all the NBA titles. So sports were very one-sided for a, a lot of a lot of history. And now we've just had so many competitive. I mean, college football has been crazy back and forth competitive. And college basketball has gotten even more ridiculous where it's not just, oh, Kentucky's going to win every year or UNC is going to win every yeah. year. No. You got Loyola Chicago in the final four. You got Butler in the final in the national championship. I mean, like, so I think all of that stuff has has been good for rooting interest. You know, you can get behind teams. And also uh, it's you've you've just had you've had underdogs come up and you've had competitive games. You've had even the Super Bowl. You know, last year was a bad a bad game and a low scoring game. The Rams and the Patriots. But then you got the Patriots coming back from 28-3 down and winning a Super Bowl in overtime. And just all these crazy things that people, you know, had never seen before have happened in this decade. And so that's what I think makes it makes it uh, really the best sports and across everything, across basketball, football, baseball, hockey, Olympics, like everything has been really, really popping off in this last 10 years. Girl Holly Quinn, aka Dr. Harleen Quinzel, here to tell you all about it's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff, and if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode, Q and Slay, or Theater from Our Butts. Have a good day, puddins, and love, trust, and belief. Yeah, cause yeah, cause cause even the tw- the 2000s, like other than the Red Sox winning in baseball, like I don't remember shit about mm-hmm. MLB from 2000 to 2009, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, even in NBA, like like those like early 2000s to like the mid 2000s, like there was a lot of bad basketball that people yeah. just really don't talk about. So I do think it really does come down to sort of the 90s versus now. And I do think from the competitive nature standpoint, I do think that the, the advantage is now. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Jordan and, you know, the the Jordan sneakers and just 90s sort of basketball sneakers in general, those are all more of like part of the pop culture of, you know, sports mm-hmm. You know, the, the champion, like, jerseys that were everywhere, you know, Mighty Ducks. People were, like, people were, like, loving hockey just because of the Mighty Ducks. Like, that was a thing. But from a pop culture standpoint, I think the 90s has the edge. But I think for overall, the actual quality of the sports, I think I think the time is now. I think this is a better decade. 
I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, and agree with you guys because the one thing that I couldn't get away from about the 2010s, man, like as much as I wanted to be like, no, it was the 80s, no, it was the 90s, <laughs> or just just something like that, it, the diversity of of the champions and the different things that happened and just the like the day to day, and it's enhanced by the 24 seven social media. That definitely helps, but just the fact that there's just so many different ways that sports could go. You like. Everybody was calling for Zion's going to be the rookie of the year earlier this season. And like two days before he's supposed to play, he's like, oh, I got to say, I have a surgery. Like, no, no. I mean, obviously he had injury history, but I mean, you like you just don't have that kind of drama on the same kind of basis. Mm-hmm. And we get mad at these talking head shows on ESPN and FS1 where they're screaming at each other and and yelling about these things for like a whole week and stuff. But it's like that's part of the narrative too. Like people want like as much as we want to see the results on the, on the field of play or on the court of play, you want to know what the reaction is going to be. And we get the instant reactions from social media and then you turn around and you get the, um, the professional reactions from uh, the media outlets and things like that. It's you, it really is what a time to be alive for a sports fan, man. Cause you just never know what could happen. It's not, it's not as predictable as it used to be. Um, you mentioned the blowouts, you mentioned the dynasties. Um, and even like, I mean, even your combat sports, like no one expected Ronda Rousey to go into the Holly home fight and get knocked the fuck out. Like, I mean, she was killing everybody for at least two years at that point, And she just went in and Holly just dominated her. Like and that's woman, just one thing. And women's fighting wasn't even a thing in the nineties. So. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it was, but it was on a, uh, on VHS tapes and you know, it wasn't for sports consumption reasons. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went there. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out too. I didn't <laughs> you just dropped that dead fish in our lap, Kellen. Jesus. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, trash and they like to watch women fight. Yeah. It happens. Uh, even, like even just like organized fighting. I mean, I, for me personally, I legit have never liked boxing. Like I've always thought boxing was very boring. Like I've I fallen asleep when people had you know pay per view matches. Like when I was a kid, and even in college, like I legit have like passed out not from alcoholism, but passed out from boredom <laughs> because people are boxing or whatever. But I mean MMA, um, you know uh, UFC, like. I think that actually is very interesting and very, I mean, yeah, it's very barbaric and very gruesome, but um, the the quality of the sport when it's at its apex, like, it's really, really entertaining. So, so yeah, I, I do agree that we do have a, a way more diverse um, sports landscape because even, um, even, you know, sticking to the lines of just women's sports, I mean, you know, women's soccer like this year uh you know not this year last year no it was this year it was this year it was this year yeah Yeah. yep um you know that's taken off to another level like and so i in in the future that's only going to continue to grow um and so even the WNBA, where like every playoff game is like super competitive um which in the WNBA, when it first started out i think there was a lot of you know the first couple of years maybe the first season or two it was, you know, excitement around it. But like after that, it was kind of, you know, just, you know, just sort of a sport that really no one on the mainstream cared about. But now we have NBA athletes going to games 
tweeting in games, putting in games on their social media, and then people on the TL, even if you don't have a really interest in the teams, like it's still a it's still a good ass sport. Like the WNBA finals this year won by the beautiful, absolute best Washington Mystics. Like that was a that was a game five situation. That game was close the entire game. And Washington was down like at the end, like toward the end of the game. And so that game was still very much up in the air. And their the WNBA finals have been like that for the last like at least the last three finals. So, you know, the quality of the sport, like that's improving also. So so yeah, not I think, you know, the twenty tens like it, it gave us a lot. So it gave a lot and we took a lot. So I, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's just no way around it. It was there was never a dull moment and that cliche never fit like has never fit anything better than the twenty tens for sports. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now so moving on to um beyond just, you know, the overall sort of um sports decade that we just are living through right now. Um I wanted to get you guys opinion or not necessarily your opinion, but just just the idea what your sort of mindset for sports are. So, you know, this year, you know, the greatest, uh, well, George, mm-hmm. I got a question for you. Who is the greatest black baseball player of all time? <laughs> I mean, ooh, I, I, I'll go real old school and I'll say Josh Gibson. <laughs> I mean, that's. I'm sorry, George, if the answer's wrong. No. <laughs> Kellen, who's the greatest black baseball player of all time? It's Howie Kendricks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Howie Kendrick. <laughs> and yes, that's a hot ass take, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yes. A hey, Howie Kendrick. <laughs> the Washington Nationals baseball player from Jacksonville, Florida. It's the game-winning home run, Game 7, to bring that World Series trophy home. So, obviously, I'm from D.C., and I'm a big D.C. stan. So, um, my favorite team of my favorite team of this decade is the, the 2019 Nationals. Uh, I, would, I would help hope so. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, like, you know, just, just the entire playoffs, the entire season where – we were down, you know, I think we were 12 games below 500. No one thought that, including me, like, everyone thought the season was washed. And then, you know, we, we had the amazing turnaround um, and the amazing playoff run where not only, you know, how he, he you know, had the game-winning, series-winning World Series, he had the series-winning home run in the NLDS, too. That's, there it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so you know he was very special to us. I'm I'm really glad that we re-signed him for next season. Um, but you know, just for my mindset as a Washingtonian, I want to get your guys' mindset also. Of what was your guys' favorite team from this decade? Um, so, Kellen, we'll we'll kick it to you. What was your favorite team from this decade? Well, as I pull up my notes here, my favorite team of this decade, it would have to be an NBA team. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the 2016 Golden State Warriors. Oh. Well, 2016. 2016. Man. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, the, the 73 and 9 Golden State Warriors who choked 3 1 in the finals. Let me tell you why, though. I. 
the 2015 Warriors, I watched that final series and I saw Kevin Love get hurt earlier in the 2015 playoffs and I saw Kyrie go down and I was like, there's no freaking way that this team is going to beat, that the, the Cavs are going to have a chance against the Warriors. They're just playing too well. And they went up 2-1 on that Warriors team. And I was like, I was like, all right, well, they're up 2-1. I mean, LeBron's obviously going to find a way to pull this off. He's going to bring a championship to Cleveland first season. And then the Warriors came roaring back with three straight wins to take that series. And it's for different factors, everything like that. But after that season, it was like, okay, well, the Cavs weren't fully loaded. And LeBron was trying to do things on his own. So there's no way that this same Warriors team is going to come back better. They are clearly the champions. They clearly earned it. But that 2016 team, man, was like the from the time that they tipped off in October, or late October or November that year, up until essentially the playoffs when Steph got hurt. Like watching that team's ascension and then watching Steph Curry play absolutely out of his mind and then just seeing how things were working, even with Steve Kerr out, like for with the back injury, like for several months, beginning of the season, having Luke Walton as their coach and then them rubbing off that 25 game winning streak, 22 or 25 or something like that. And then me looking at Twitter at 10 o'clock at night and seeing, Oh, the Warriors going to lose the Boston. It's over. It's on NBA TV right now. And me running to my living room to watch that game and then watching the Warriors pull it off. And then they ultimately lost the next night in Milwaukee. But then just seeing how much like uh, the transition that seeing Clay's growth as a player and seeing Draymond's growth as a player, like you, the Warriors were just like the team to watch because you just wanted like people were going two hours before tip off to see Steph shoot. And it was just like this whole hubbub, like Steph was just incredible for that whole entire season. And I I, Angel had went to bed a night in February, and I had on the Saturday night game, and it was the Thunder versus the Warriors, man. And the Thunder were pushing the Warriors all game long. And then Steph got that ball, and they were down. And I I knew they needed a, a big shot. And I was like, yo, Steph's going to hit this shot. And Steph walked across that half-court line, and he shot it. I started walking down my hallway in my old house, and I heard Breen say, it's good. And start screaming on the TV. I walked <laughs> in my room and I woke up my wife and I said, yo, Curry just won that game. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, Steph just won that game. Like they were the, they have the 2016 Warriors without Durant were the most entertaining team to watch early in the season. And because they were winning so much by the time March and April came, that shit turned on them. And everybody who hadn't jumped on the bandwagon didn't want to see the Warriors win. And so that just put an even bigger chip on her shoulder because all of a sudden, like all these people didn't want the Warriors to win. And now it's like, oh, well, did y'all not see what we've done so far this season? And they came into the playoffs and they were hot as ever. And then Steph got injured. And you can say what you want about his him playing in the playoffs and he only missed like a certain number of games. Steph wasn't the same after those almost injuries in the playoffs. I think it hurt his confidence and he wasn't the same player that we were seeing in February and even in November and December when he was killing the league. He's the league, the first unanimous MVP in the league's history, the only one. He was more popular than LeBron that season. He took over the consciousness of 
not consciousness, but he 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 became the favorite player of so many kids, um, he, like so many people for years and years. LeBron, 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 like Steph, and that whole team was just a whole moment, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. And ultimately, seeing them lose three one, especially the way Cleveland did it, I I'm glad Cleveland won. I was pulling for Cleveland at that point, but they were still were must see TV. And then the time they fully turned the corner is the moment Durant announced that he was going to sign with them. And then it became like, okay, I was really on the fuck the Warriors bandwagon. But it wasn't really fuck the Warriors, but at the same time, they signed the best uh, player in the NBA that was available at that moment. So you kind of knew what was going to happen. And there's narratives out there that the 2017 Warriors were better because obviously they had KD. They killed LeBron in the finals. That pull-up three in game four over LeBron that KD had was still incredible in Cleveland. And then he let him do it the next year to him. Uh, but the 2016 t- uh, Warriors Rife have a special spot in my heart, man. They were just they th- watching them become the best team that we could possibly have in this era. And then watching it all turn against them and then watching them fumble it away. It, it's just, it's a, it's a, a story that, uh, that that you love the that you you hate to see it. That's what I'm looking for. You just hate to see it, man. Like you love to watch it when it's happening, and then when it all went down, it all went down the way it did. But it was a hell of a ride. <laughs> George, do you think that was even the best Warriors team from this decade? Because because uh, it's oh well because seventy three and nine like the the regular season like run they had was, it was just what? a joke. Yeah, like I mean yeah. we're talking about like. When you're looking at like their schedule in, you know, October, and you're like, well, are they going to lose a game before January? Like, that was the stuff we were talking about <laughs> with yeah. that team. So, like, that was wild. Um, it doesn't, it's funny how not only did you have that in there, but we also have the 18, the 18 and 0 Patriots who in the same vein who are like, yeah. arguably the best football team if we want to do that um that team year type of thing they are oh, like yeah. the best the best te- the Randy Moss Patriots um of 2000 you know which was uh, toward the end of the last decade and they they get all the way to the Super Bowl and then lose and it's like well damn but like they were the best team like nobody's going to deny them they were the best team they just had happened to lose the championship and that's like the same thing that happened yeah. to Golden State like Golden State was the best statistical numbers wise blow you out must go see them like the Yankees NBA team in a year of the last decade and yet they they and they had the, the championship in their grasp and still and 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 didn't come out with it so you can have it you can kind of have it both ways which is kind of crazy with that like they were the most dominant basketball team of the decade save for some of those if you want to go some of those uh, close second some of those heat teams from the early parts of the decade which I'm sure we'll talk about um, but yeah, but didn't win it, but weren't the champions. Like it's, it's, it's that, that, that's why this has been like such a fun decade to be, to be a part yeah. of and be witness to. So my, my favorite, I guess, quote unquote personality, uh, like sports personality, Dan Levitard. Oh um, yeah. He, his whole thing is like, even though the Warriors lost the finals, like there's no way you, you can't say that they are not the best team like ever. And a part of me, a part of me does agree to that. Um, a part of me is like, they still gotta win. Like they still, they still <laughs> gotta close it out. So I, 
I I welcome nuance in sports, and so I I can. It's one of those things where if you make the argument for either them or the Bulls, mm-hmm. or in any other team, you know, I'm definitely willing to hear it. Because even because this is the this is the same playoffs where they were they were down three one to OKC, and mm-hmm. then they had to come back. So yeah, and then. You know, it was it was one nut punch away from a championship. <laughs> yeah, essentially, <laughs> one nut shocker, like one one Chris Paul special to a championship. So, I mean, hey man, that's 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 the breaks, man. That's and that's the best thing. Like that's that's really the the beauty of sports. Like anything. Like anything can really tip the scales, and you really don't know like what will tip the scales. Because even when you know Draymond, you know, punched LeBron's nuts, the the Warriors still won that game, and they were still up, and so they only needed one more win to you know seal right. it. The next game, one more time. The next game, uh, LeBron and uh, Kyrie they dropped forty one apiece. Then the, the the game after that, okay, so they're still up 3-2. The game after that, Draymond comes back. And, you know, they have a chance to close it out. They don't. And then game seven in Oracle, the 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 loudest crowd of probably any, you know, non-football crowd ever, you know, they had a chance to pull it out. And they came up short. And so, but... I mean that's that's the breaks, man. That's that's the fucking breaks. But um, but George, what's your what's your favorite team from this decade? I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a shout out first with with Howie Kendrick. That the NLDS home run was what was was the bigger home run because, as you know, like I've become a de facto the Nationals the Nationals are my National League team. I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, but like the Pirates are suck so bad now that I don't, <laughs> don't even care about them anymore. And I've been in DC right. for ten years, so it's like all right. And so like I'm pulling just like the collective happiness of the people and and some friends of mine that are you know got local down there, and everything. And you're sitting there, and it's like here we are. It's the same script again. They've lost four times previously in this decade in the divisional round. In yeah. like the most ridiculous freaking ways you could think of, Drew Storen yeah. blowing saves. I was at the Jason Worth walk off game where oh, he walked. Shit. That was nuts. Like we were sitting in the outfield and just jumping around. I was like, oh my god! And then to get it to game five, and then it's like they're gonna do it. And then just yeah, Colton Wong, all these people were just awful. So it's the NLDS again, and they're like, oh, they're gonna go to Los Angeles. Oh, it's it's Kershaw again. And they 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 go back to back off of Kershaw in the eighth yep. inning, and it's just like suck it, Kershaw. And then in the tenth inning, you're like, oh, they got the bases loaded. And Howie Kendrick, mind you, is like what thirty seven. I mean, so like yeah. nobody's nobody's expecting him to crank one, and then he just cranks one, and it's like midnight something, and I'm yelling in the apartment like ah, like <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it. Like that was that was the hurdle. Like, like once they got past. The the Dodgers, then it was like anything is possible. It was, literally, it, was Kevin, it was Kevin Garnett after that. Anything literally was possible because they finally made it out of the, the divisional round and then just like screw the Cardinals and then game seven. No, all that was great. That was just that was fun. They, that was the way to win. This is the crazy. Again, the Nationals, I, I don't have the number in front of me, but like if you put it together baseball wise, they have, I think, the most wins of any franchise in the national league over the last decade. And if not the most, then like top two or three, I mean, they've been yeah. a really good baseball team and they've yeah. won yeah. a lot of games. 
and it hasn't amounted to anything. And so frozen kind of like, man. yeah. And so like the year, you know, is if you love the irony, if you don't love the, I never had any ill will toward Bryce Harper, but a lot of people do. So if you love the irony that the year that they jettison him is the year they go and win the world series and they do it by having to claw in to the wild card game, having to win the wild card game over the Brewers, having to win the division series in five games, having to win the world series in seven games. Like that was the most unnationals way to do it based on how good they've been in the last 10 years. And so like all of that was just fitting. All, all of that was great. So I'm, I'm a big, it, it was a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. I'm gonna appreciate like, cause I'm, cause I'll, I'll be truthful. Like I'm really not a Bryce hater. Like when he, when he was in DC, like I was full tilt, uh, I fuck Mike Trout. Like I was, I was yeah. full tilt Bryce. And so everything he did for that franchise, like, yeah, I remember playoffs ending with him getting struck out. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he did a lot of great stuff for us, man. And I think, I do think that it, it is kind of shitty that there are people that have the narrative, the narrative of hating Bryce, but it's like, yeah. he, he, we drafted him. He loved being a part of the city, and there were many years where we loved him being a part of our team. So, mm-hmm. I think I think people that hate I think people that hate him are really just they're disappointed that he didn't do more. But at the same time, like I I think baseball is is really such a hard fucking sport for like yeah. one one person to win like a World Series for. Like, I mean. Ken Griffey never won a fucking World Series. Like, mm-hmm. don't I mean, remind like, me. <laughs> I mean, Bray Bonds never won, right? He never nope. won. Made it only made it to one. Yeah, never won. That's what I'm saying. Like, we we put a lot of pressure on Bryce. Bray, and Bryce put a lot of pressure on himself too. But it's like, like you know, it didn't work out. You know, he's with Philly now. Like, fuck Philly. Fuck everything Philly, by the way. <laughs> and so, but other than that, like, if if. I would like if I had tickets to like a a game where Bryce uh, Bryce Harper was there, like I I'm not booing Bryce Harper. I'm I'm clapping for him, mm-hmm. and then when he strikes out, I'm gonna clap. But I'm I'm not like the disrespectful fan in that sort of way. So let me I'll give you uh so my, I'll give you my team my my runner up honorable mention is and both of these are selfish Homer reasons. Um, 2010 Mountaineer basketball Final Four. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I, I, you know, that's that was like, you know, I cry over mountain. You know, anytime they get close to something, and it's just like that was. (sighs) I, I happen to be. I happen. I got. (laughs) It's a fun long story, short, but basically, Kellen, I convinced uh, Alex Wiederspiel to give me the press pass um, for the for the tournament because nobody was going. Nobody was going from U ninety two. And I had just graduated and I was back here in Weirton and I didn't have anything going on and I'm and and it lined up. So like everything was within five to six hours driving. So the first round was in Buffalo, the second round, the sec uh, the Sweet Sixteen and Lead Eight were in Syracuse, and then the final four was in Indianapolis. And I'm like, I don't gotta get I can drive to all these things. So got it lined up and so I was there for all the games. Like that's a special memory to have them winning the and John John Wall and you the one year time. and the one year Kentucky uh, the Kentucky wonders and the freshman five. Yeah, exactly. And they go in there and they, it wasn't like, Oh, we had to come from behind. They dominated, they dominated Kentucky wired wire. They, 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 yeah, they, they held that. They, they held their own with them and there was no being scared of, of, of anything. And, and those guys, and that was, and that was special. Um, and then obviously it ends with, you know, Deshaun getting injured in, in playing Duke in the final four. But, um, 
that, yeah. We're not going to talk that, about that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. One shining moment. Um, that, but that was like, <laughs> that's something I never thought I'd see. I, I really did, you know, just because how hard, you got to win so many damn games in basketball. Like football, they can get lucky and, you know, yeah. back when we had the BCS and get there. But uh, I was, that was like, man, you know, that, that was a special yeah. moment. Um, uh, I, was, I was in Indianapolis too for when uh, that happened, man. So I'm right there with you. I, I love that Mountaineer. That's my favorite Mountaineer sports team ever. There's yeah. just no, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Easy pick for me. Um, my favorite, 2010 Packers. Um, good. They had to go from the sixth seed, win three games on the road, steamroll through Atlanta, and then to play, they had to play the Bears. You know, of all teams you're going to play, you're going to play the one you've, you know, played the most in the history of football in <laughs> Chicago. And big old BJ Raji picks off stupid Cutler at the 10 yard line and runs it back. And that was great. So, and then they get to the super bowl and of course it's against the Steelers, which is like the end all be all thing. Cause I got all these damn Steeler fans breathing down my leg. Like, Oh, they're going to beat the Packers. I'm like, all right, all right, we'll see. And Rogers just Rogers had a day MVP through three touchdowns. Nick Collins had a pick six. I mean, that was just like the culmination. And now I can Charles hold Woodson broke his collarbone for y'all. You're welcome. Exactly. Woodson, Woodson losing on, on the like next to last play of the of the first half down there. And he's cheering with one hand and everything like that was that was a special team. So uh, that that's my favorite pick. I knew they would win the moment that Lil Wayne did uh, green and yellow. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. I was like, oh, they got this. They got this. He's still he's still on board. I see tweets from him like he's still like he obviously he's claiming like the Saints, too, but he's still claiming the Packers allegiance. So. Hey, well, at least, he, at least he remembers. That's all that matters. <laughs> Man, right. some good solid choices there, George. It's just a lot of stuff to choose from, a lot of good ones to choose from. So, Yeah, I, I, I do think that – I think we're all in agreement that – I mean, I, if you've been watching the, uh, the, um, the Mountaineers for at least like I've – been, I've been watching Mountaineers since 2004, my freshman year – and so that that 2010 run was probably like the apex of mm. of Mountaineer sports. So I I definitely agree with that take. Um, now going from our pivoting from our favorite teams to you know a category that may not be favorite depending on if you like hills or not. But I wanted to discuss you guys' favorite sports villain. Um, it can be a player or a team overall. But, you know, just sort of, you know, the best villain that the sport actually benefited from with them being a, a, a terrorist. <laughs> so I'll give my answer last. But, um, Kellen, what, who's your best villain uh, from this decade? Conor McGregor. Ooh. Mm. Good hill choice. Okay. Why? Okay. Yeah, because Conor, man, like, he bursts on the scene. Of what I mean, I don't remember if it was before Rousey or around Rousey or whatever. I mean, I know they were both kind of hot at the same time and everybody just loved this dude. And y'all know me, I'm a hater. So when everybody loves something, I want to know why they love it. And then I want to figure out if I should love it too. And then most of the time I'm not going to love it. And it's like, he is like, he is literally a villain personified man. Like from the shit that he talked before fights and the way he carried himself in the octagon and just the, I mean, just the, he's like literally a real life pro wrestling character. And he, he, he was just the 
pardon my French, George, but he's the nigga you love to hate. <laughs> I mean, he, he really was. And and just everything about him, I just I just can't stand the dude. And then I would go to watch pay-per-views and like the whole bar would be behind him. Come on, Connor. Come on, Connor. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, and I, I haven't seen, I've seen a lot of feverish fans for their teams or for certain people and players and stuff. But it, it just felt like, it it was coming from it was just coming from this place and I was if it, it made me feel like I was around a bunch of Yankees fans is what it made me feel like um, or a bunch of Cowboys fans and it, that's what it felt like whenever I went to go see Connor and then with everything he's pulled the last few years like the Mayweather fight I, I didn't really feel anything about that like who's not going to take that payday that's fine um, but then the whole bus incident. With him like injuring fighters and he throwing punched that dogs. old guy in a bar. <laughs> yeah, punched the whole people in the bar. It's like, like my whole thing is like you're one of the best fighters in your sport, and I know that he said multiple times, "I'm I'm retired." Or I can't even do an accent, and I, I was like, "I'm retired, and I, I don't want to fight anymore, and I'm going to go do this. I might go do go to WWE." He said all these different things, and every time he comes back, and then I thought that, I thought that was something that he wouldn't be able to come back from. I'm like he literally like started a huge fracas and hurt other fighters just because he had an attitude with Dana at this huge press event um, in New York City. And then, I mean, he he got in trouble for it, but then Dana's like, as soon as Dana could, Dana threw him right back on the card. So I was like, this dude is like undefeatable, you know? Like, even if he takes L's in the ring, like what he did against Khabib and Nate Diaz and the Octagon, I mean, he, he just, something about him, you just love to hate him and he just plays that role so well. And the more shit he does, the more attention it draws to UFC. Negative. I mean, there's no with him. There's no such thing as bad press. So I mean, Dana is all about that life. He's going to continue to do what he wants to do till he's actually done with fighting. And every time I see that dude, I just, ugh, just I don't respect anything about him. I can't. Like people are like, oh look at this, he's such a great fighter, and then look what he did. He beat this guy in ten seconds. I'm like, I don't care. It don't matter to me. Do I want to fight him? No. Do I respect him? No. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want I, I want to see him fight. Uh, I'm on the Masvidal train now, so I'd like to see if 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 that becomes a reality. Him fighting Masvidal. Ah uh, yeah, Masvidal's dope. He's real yeah. dope. I, yeah. I do like him. All right, nice, George. What, what's your best villain from this decade? KD Trey Five, Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> just, yes. It was going to be basketball, just because basketball is like the most, and I love everybody loves it because there's no there's no sport that like just keeps you sucked in year round with the absolute pettiness of the of the people involved in it. Um, man, the funny, I, I, the fun part is like he's early in his career and it's just like oh he's just you know he's just this nice quiet kid from C Pleasant Maryland. He's just trying to make my mother in law used to love him. Like he oh, used yeah. to call him little Kevin. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Oh, little Kevin's on TV. Right. I'm gonna watch Little Kevin. Slim blah, Reaper, blah, blah, all, blah. This, all this other stuff. Nike ran an ad. Nobody, people like don't remember this. Nike ran an ad campaign. Uh, KD is not nice, like trying to like pretend that he was like angry because he was so like viewed as a nice person, and everything like that when they first came out with his shoes and I everything. Remember that? That's funny. And then <laughs> it's just like, oh, maybe he'll come back to the Wizards, and <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe he'll do oh this. Oh my God, yeah. No, that was that was a whole thing. KD to DC. I was a, you know, it's like, oh man, come back home, Kevin, do something. No, goes to Golden State, middle finger to Oklahoma City, and everybody. And now he is he is everybody's villain. Everybody hates him. If you didn't like the people that like like 
I wasn't a Warriors fan, but it's like, I respect what Steph Curry's doing because it's just like nobody in the history of basketball has done that, and it's fun to watch. But then you just have to hate them because Kevin Durant is petty, and he's creating burner accounts on Twitter to go after people. (laughs) Oh, my God. Multi-millionaire NBA star has got this time to (laughs) create not just one. He had, like, multiple, at least two or maybe three accounts where he just goes and, like, trolls people who are (laughs) criticizing him. Like, that's... That's that's a different level of petty man. KD, that's so KD for me is, is the biggest villain. I, I mean, he's injured now, but like I don't even know. We don't even know yet what the reception. I mean, I'm sure the the, the people in Brooklyn are excited, but like, uh, you had this weird thing when he you know goes down with that injury in the finals, and it's like there's an equal part of people that were, oh man, he's hurt. Let's feel sad because we're not going to witness his talent here. But then also there's another sinister part of people that is just like, good. I'm glad that he tore his ACL or whatever he did. Which so. is wild, man. Which I mean, he swung exactly. that game for him in game five, man. He, yes. I mean, he played five minutes, swung the game and got him another win. Oh. And then I love heel KD, man. That's funny, though, because I just <laughs> sat there and, and shit all over Connor. And I was mad at KD for the Golden State move. Like, you can go back, like, episode 19, maybe, and hear me complain about that. And then, like, the more he just kept talking and then started no, just, just shitting born. on everybody. Like, it was just, yeah. yeah, he just, like, leaned into it, and it just became full throttle yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, okay. Great choice. It's funny because G, uh, G he he talked about two of my answers in this one answer. So, I just to build upon the KD villainesque being the like biggest villain of the decade. My pick is actually the 2018 Warriors, but it is specifically because KD was like the monster of that team, and mm-hmm. es- especially those finals when they swept the Cavaliers. Um, you know how. You know, Ron, uh, not Ron Artest, um, uh, J.R. Smith, you know, speaking of, you know, uh, you know, boneheaded buffoonery, chicoonery things like <laughs> if, you know, I think villains sometimes villains do need to win at the expense of everyone else to be a true villain. And, you know, he uh, J.R. Smith really had the worst moment and probably professional sports of all time. <laughs> and so they still game one. They, you know, murdered the Cavs game two. Game three, Kevin Kevin drops like fucking like 43. And then, you he, know. He swung the MVP, the MVP trophy back to himself, man, because Steph had that after breaking the finals record in game two. See with that? three-pointers. Yeah, people were saying that, but like, that game, it, it was no question. Like, KD was, KD literally, he submitted himself as a legitimate top 10 best player ever, I think, in those finals. Like, even if you look at just the finals, if you say top 10 NBA finals player ever, I don't think that's really up for debate. I I really, I think Kevin Durant, when his, when his time is up, I really think we're going to look back and say he was legitimately one of the most unstoppable offensive forces in NBA. I mean, because he's he's seven he's seven. You can't do anything with the size. Yeah, the size is what's crazy. He he's seven foot tall with a handle like Mm -hmm. like he has he's one of the best handles in the league, which people don't even really sort of think about. Yeah, but like he can create he can create space by not only shooting but just dribbling, (laughs) so he can create his own shot virtually anywhere on the court. He can defend uh, virtually every position. 
um, if he puts his mind to it. Um, and that 2018, like, is the apex of Kevin Durant. And the funny thing is, like, if he doesn't get injured in these last finals, I do think the Warriors find a way to come back because I don't think – because he was already averaging 30 uh, – I think, like, 32 in those finals against Toronto. So if he, like, finds – like, you know, the injury gods don't strike him down, I think they do find a way to – He was having finals. a hell of a playoff run when, uh, yeah. when he went down with the first injury. Yeah, so and then like being a villain within a villain, he like you know, between him and Draymond, like he essentially psyched oh himself in God. into being like, man, these guys hate me and I don't want to play here, and like it just made everything worse. And then he's like, he just basically he wrote his own exit out of the, out of it by himself, like he authored his own exit out of out of Oakland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sure man. did. Yeah, so I'm transitioning from KD being a villain. One of the questions, actually not even transitioning off of it, but one of the questions that I wanted to ask you guys was, what were your biggest surprises uh, from this decade? And my biggest surprise from this decade actually involves Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant's greatness. I And tell me if you guys think I'm wrong or not, but I think that we're so close to Kevin Durant and the, the, the Twitter, the burner Twitter accounts and, you know, him being sort of like a, really Drake in his feelings type of an NBA professional <laughs> athlete. Like, I pr- I think the biggest surprise of all of Kevin Rand's dominance is I still think he doesn't get the respect that he truly deserves. And well, I th- once. Yeah, and I think we're going to have to... Because I, I think all three of us, like, I think the three of us know that Kevin Durant's greatness really should not be questioned. Mm-hmm. But I think I think overall, like... The general public just doesn't really accept that Kevin Durant is literally one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and so I think that we want to have to get a couple of years away, like maybe five to ten years away from him playing to really appreciate that Warriors run. Um, but I think my biggest surprise is like Kevin Durant won two back-to-back Finals MVPs. Mm-hmm. He he was better than LeBron James in mm-hmm. in those playoffs, and yet we still say, "Yeah, yeah, you you are the Warriors. Yeah, you you legit went to the greatest team of all time. So that shit doesn't count. Like that's right. that. I think that's it's understandable, but it's still super wild that we really do have that mentality. Because I think when when even um, Kawhi won this year. I think we gave him way more praise than what we gave Kevin Durant in 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. when what Durant did was just as good, maybe even slightly better. But, but, um, but yeah, man, my biggest surprise is that KD gets no respect. <laughs> he gets no respect, like Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, have to win a title in in Brooklyn for him to, <laughs> to maybe get some of it. I don't know. Yeah, he's gonna be someone. Take? He's going to be someone that was. he's never going to get respect while he's playing. And then what's going to happen? He's going to retire. He's going to be gone a year or two. And then everybody's going to start changing their mind. Like, oh, man, you know what? Kevin Durant really was up there with LeBron like during the like 2010s and stuff. He was right there. And we just, just never noticed it. And like, and his attitude doesn't help anything. So unless he does a complete swing when he comes back from this injury and he's like, you know what? I'm just happy playing basketball and sunshine and rainbows if he goes back to a positive mind state um which he, he kind of has the opportunity to do then maybe people start giving him his respect but i just don't think he's going to get it till he's retired we we grew up in the era of 
the rings, the rings are the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We grew up in an era where Dan Marino, Charles Barkley, like these are Dan Marino really sh- before Tom Brady. Dan Marino probably should have been considered the best quarterback ever, but he never mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl, and so no one gave a shit. Right. And it took us a long time to get away from Barkley paying, playing for the Suns and for the Sixers to really appreciate he was legit probably the best forward of the 90s. But um, I think we went from that to Kevin Durant winning two and then us not giving a shit. That's that's really I think it's good that we don't overvalue championships, but it's still super wild that Kevin Durant was that dominant and we just we just still shrug it off. Yeah, man. I mean, and it's his fault though cuz i mean it is. joining the warriors was already <laughs> a bad move but then him just saying the going full nwo hollywood on us like uh no no one was mm-hmm. no one was going to buy into that man so it, it, he has written his own narrative in the corner that he's currently in right now yeah definitely george what's what's your biggest surprise in this decade this this was tricky um <clears throat> Like the one, the, the, I mean, one kept coming. It's like, oh, okay, this was kind of surprising. This was kind of surprising. And so I was trying to like base it off of, you know, something that I was like, damn, I didn't expect that. And so to stick with the NBA theme, um, LeBron going back to Cleveland. Ooh, good pick. Good that is pick. good. I don't think even at the time anybody, and it's fun, like, you know, we're nearly 10 years, eight years out of the, you know, those heat teams. You know, listening to like Pat Riley and those guys talk like they did. They didn't think he was going, oh, no, Lee's going to come back. Like nobody thought he was leaving, let alone leave to go back to where a the owner was petty and put an ad in the paper and everything like good riddance. We're only going to have you know all the shit that Dan Gilbert did and the fans burning his jersey and all that type of stuff like. I wouldn't go. I mean, I know it's home, but like, I wouldn't go back, you know, if somebody did that to me and be like, fine, I'll go take my, you know, talent somewhere else besides South Beach. And for for him to go to leave Miami, the big was shocking enough. And then to be like, no, I'm going to go back to Cleveland, kind of like a mea culpa. Hey, I want to I want to fix things. I want to do it right. I think that was I think that to surprised me the most. A lot of things have been surprising in the last 10 years, but like that was like, damn, I didn't think he was going to go back to Cleveland. That that was that was something different. Yeah, man. Yeah. I remember even being that first year he was in the playoffs with Cleveland. I was like, I can't believe he's in fucking Cleveland. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good pick. Good like pick. overnight just makes him relevant again. Like that's just wild. I think that if Chris Bosh hadn't been close to signing to Houston though, I feel like LeBron stays because Bosch was really close to signing with Houston. And I think once LeBron found out that they were, the Heatles were probably going to break up and Bosch yeah. was the first step out, I think that's when he started really thinking about going home. And then, but it's, I think the whole narrative was they were all in Vegas. It was like Wade, Bosch, and LeBron. And then Pat Riley had dinner with like Wade and, and LeBron. And mm-hmm. from everything that Riley knew that they, he was coming back. And then, yeah, like he came back. And then, next thing you know, Sports Illustrated came out saying he's, I'm coming home. Yeah, exactly. So, like they kept that under wraps. Like nobody knew. And it just like that mm-hmm. article dropped and that was it. And like took everybody by surprise. Yeah, it did. It was crazy time, man. But that's a great pick. Kels, what's your pick? Uh, oh, 
Let's see what I got down here. Biggest surprise. This is an on the field surprise. Okay. All right. The 2015 Super Bowl. Pete Carroll having mm. Russell Wilson throw from uh, the one yard line. That's the when that's... they had Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> Jesus, right there. That could have so, been like, the biggest that was, blunder. That's that's my biggest blunder. You gotta say. <laughs> like, it's not not handing it to Marshawn. Yeah. <laughs> like every like that was probably one of the best Super Bowls I've I've watched. Um, honestly, the Seahawks and Patriots. It was it was a very competitive game. I thought, and the Patriots were coming back, but it looked like the Seahawks were going to hold them off. <laughs> and or they had taken the lead and it looked like the Seahawks are about to take the go ahead score and everything and kind of wrap it up and be the two time defending champions at that point. Cause they had beaten Peyton in 2014. If I, if I remember correctly and just like everybody else in the world, when he didn't just hand it off and he tried to be slick and then Malcolm Butler just jumped the route. Like I, I was in disbelief. Like I was like looking for a penalty Looking for a hold. And Bruce just, just something. Got into the fight too. Oh yeah, big Bruce got mad and got thrown. Only probably ever get ejected from a Super Bowl, and it, it just made zero sense to this day. And now Marshawn's a Seahawk again, and it's just even more relevant that they should have <laughs> two freaking Super Bowl rings instead of one. And I don't care what Pete Carroll said, man. In that moment, he just forgot everything about what he knew about coaching and what had gotten them there. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like, oh. how lucky can the Patriots be that they decide to throw from the one to try to throw off the Patriots when you have one of the best running backs in the league at the one-yard line and you still think you're going to outsmart Belichick? And then Malcolm Butler just saw it coming, man, and how he had the insight. Like, they had ran it a couple times in the season, according to what he had saw. So he had seen tape on it before. But to have that, presence of mind to jump that route and make that game saving pick and even Marshawn after the game he's a man of few words but you you knew damn well he didn't know why he didn't get the ball either man <laughs> so that's my biggest surprise man because that that should have been a Seahawks t- touchdown that's um that's like it wasn't it's sorry no go ahead Kel. <laughs> oh that was it I, and it wasn't that, that was me wrapping it up that that's like the it's it that is the academy award film that like gets like 12 nominations that's biggest surprise, biggest blunder, biggest what if, uh, sports moment, game. Like, it's all of those things in that Super Bowl that are so ridiculous. And, like, that he wants, like, he's going to throw it. Like, why are we throwing over the middle? Like, you want to throw the ball, go, you know, throw a fade to the corner where only your guy can catch it, not like a goddamn slant where it's going to get tipped and picked off. Like, what are we, you know, what are we doing at the two yard line? Be uh, careful, that- no. Because that game was that game was a really good game up until it fell completely off the tracks. Like, oof. everybody on that field was in shock, man. Like, still, Richard Sherman is a meme because of it from his reaction of him just screaming in agony. Like, why? Like, he didn't understand it. Like, I don't think anybody. I bet you even Russell Wilson was like, "Really? <laughs> like, I'm going to throw from the one?" Because you know, right the first- now. Even talking about that that gift of um, uh, Richard Sherman, because you can look in his you can look in his eyes and see the play snap, the play being a pass, him being confused, and then the interception happening. You can see all that in his face, like, and I had the exact same look on my face too, like, 
it was abs- it was it was the worst play call in the history of the NFL. Yeah, it, it definitely was. It, yeah, there's no doubt about it. That should have been two rings, and they just blow it like that. Yeah, uh, that was such a Browns thing to do. That's what the Browns would do in a regular season <laughs> game in Week but, Ten. Hey, the Browns will never make it to a Super Bowl, so hey, yeah, they still ain't going soon. So it um, is what it man. is. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy SB the Ghost. I want to shout out Kellen hyphen Conley and his podcast hyphen Nation, which just had his hundredth episode. Hip Hop Manifesto and the hyphen podcast group. I want to say congratulations. Love is love from SB the Ghost, LOX D Block. Keep doing what you're doing. And shout out to Shiver because he cared about y'all and love y'all. Salute. Ghost told you so. So just a quick a br- quick Browns tangent for like two seconds. For some reason, I was trying. I was looking up uh, their record since 2010. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Haven't had a winning record. Just guess since 07. Guess how many wins they've had in these last, uh, including this season. Guess how many oh. wins they've had since 2010. 20. <sighs> no, I got. Mm. Like four and thirty-eight. Ooh, you were close. Forty-two. <laughs> Raiders can't be that bad, much better though, so I really can't say nothing right now. Raiders Browns, made the playoffs there though, so. <laughs> and the Browns were forty-two and one hundred sixteen as of oh, today, gosh. December twenty-seventh. Um, they've been the they've been the bottom of the AFC North. They're in AFC North mm-hmm. uh, for every season except two seasons. This season they're currently third, and last season they finished third. So, <laughs> and obviously they went one in thirty-one in two seasons. Shout out to yeah, Hugh yep. Jackson. <laughs> but yeah, for some reason Big game I Hugh. For some reason I wanted to look at the the Redskins stats to see if they were any worse. Um, thank God they weren't, but they're, they're just as terrible. They're, well, not just as terrible, but <laughs> they are 62, 96 and one, like, and we won the division twice this decade, I think. So every other time has been like third or fourth place finish. So shout out but. to monster lung and Anthony. <laughs> Round dark now, bud, forever. Um, but uh, transitioning back on topic, uh, the next category we had were biggest blunder, and I was I was gonna say probably J.R. Smith in Game One of the 2017 Finals, uh, well 2018 Finals, um, but no that that cost them a game. And the Warriors still probably win that series anyway, but nah, the the Pete Carroll goal line pass that that literally cost him a championship. So I'm gonna give that biggest blunder. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we already talked about that. <laughs> it makes me sad for the Seahawks. That that was on my list. I'll go. I'll give you an offbeat one here because I'm not sure. Where else I'm going to talk about it? Um, Gotta take your shots. The de- the decision 
2010. Well, the he, choice, the choice, or the the actual production of the decision, the the production of it. So, like yeah. that, that if he just says I'm going to Miami, fine. It's the whole and like everybody involved with it, like regrets it now. But like that whole episode turned him into what was for the first part of the decade the biggest villain until Kevin Durant came along and said, no, I'm going to take that from you, too. But uh, the way like that did a lot like that was just transformative in like people, people. It changed the way people thought about LeBron. It changed the way athletes did this process of, you know, maybe, you know, we can do things differently. And like that was kind of the start, if we want to call this, because like we said, kind of at the beginning, man, like 2000s basketball was just like, yeah, you know, we're coming out of like the afterglow of Jordan. Mm-hmm. And and it's just like, you know, Chauncey Billups and the Pistons and like, you know, and Kobe and and, and they and won Tim the couple. Duncan in the Spurs playing yeah, solid basketball. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's like, uh, and Dirk and, you know, they and the Mavs won a title. But like the decision was the beginning of like our, what we now I want to call the modern NBA. That was, that was now where we're at. That started super teams that started players controlling the free agent process as opposed to teams controlling the free agent process. Like all of that kind of started from LeBron, but I think he and his team and people would have done that. Just the, the production of it differently with all the kids from the boys and girls club in Akron sitting behind him. Like the whole thing was just kind of, he tried, he tried, I know he was trying to make it about, you know, home and everything like that, but it just came off very like, you know, staged and half hour, however long it was. And then he finally gets to it like in the last five minutes. And so I think, I think they would have it, have that if they could have it again, they would do it over. Yeah. Didn't, he, didn't he give the boys and girls club like a million dollars? Oh yeah, and, he gave a bunch no of money too. Like nobody remembers that. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Like it's that's so that that actually is a really solid choice. Um, ooh, what a stinker! What a whiff. I think the decision itself has aged well, considering that it moved the NBA into the player empowerment era. But like like y'all said, the whole production of the decision is always going to be a huge mistake on everyone's parts. LeBron's even said it too. So, yeah, it's real bad. Yeah, definitely. So is I know you had best uh, uh, moment. Uh, I'm sorry, biggest surprise for your pick, Kellen. But are you going to do a, a a double dunk? Are you going to have biggest surprise and biggest blunder as the same answer? No, I, I'm the biggest blunder for me is the fact that Roger Goodell has continuously proven himself to be the worst commissioner in the history Ooh. of professional sports <laughs> and that he has constantly mismanaged the league and mismanaged the players and has caused one of the biggest controversies in NFL history with the blackballing of uh, Colin Kaepernick. And then just the, I know the revenue is coming in. And I know they're still making money, and they're they're the most popular sport in America, but his constant blunders, just I like, the owners are still making their money, obviously, but like, how he continues to lead the be the leader of the most popular sport in America is just beyond me. I just don't get it, and I don't know why he's allowed to continue to make the mistakes that he does, other than the fact that. It's the money that keeps him where he's at. And he, he's the biggest blunder. He's done it time and time again from 2010 up until today. You can find something like every couple every years year. to every yeah. uh, every couple months where 
there's something that he's done or didn't do, or um, it's just just he's just always on the wrong side of the answer, you know. And my my one of my favorite moments of this decade though was after the Patriots came back against the Falcons, and he had to present that Super Bowl trophy to Robert Kraft <laughs> and Belichick and Brady after suspending Brady that season, and that whole stadium rained down booze on him. It was an incredible moment having to see him sit there and smile and shake their hands after he tried to make that franchise's lives living hell and deservedly so i'm not getting into any of that but just just seeing that little bit of um vengeance against this terrible commissioner was really good for me so roger goodell you are the blunder of the decade for me because you're terrible as commissioner and i wish you'd go away it's like every it's it's it, there's nothing that he, that he hasn't managed to screw up. Like the deflate gate stuff is the, that's like the easy stuff. But CTE, they still haven't, you know, they're still oh, just kind of like I forgot about that. Damn. They're still essentially, yeah. you know, the movie come out with the Benedict Malu and uh, Julian Bales, who was WVU and Benedict Malu was Pitt, the nurse, you know, and the movie came out and they still essentially have turned a blind eye to it. Then. Where we're just basically the whole, legislating penalties on the fly. Oh, you hit a woman. Well, we don't have any video, so two games. But then we have video of Ray Rice punching his girlfriend in an elevator. So then it's ten games. Ah, wait a minute, it's six games. Nah, maybe it's four games. And it's it, Greg Hardy. Like you got all. They just you just they had no plan. They they got caught with their ass hanging out. They had no plan. <laughs> on what happened if any of this stuff were ever to happen and they're trying to fix it on the fly and none of that worked and it's it's been it literally has, and then the whole Kaepernick thing how they they've continuously you know at every turn managed to to screw it up <laughs> just screw it yeah just screw it up like it's like oh we're gonna cut just every everything every turn yeah so it, it's been something it hasn't been just oh he's been bad with you know player discipline no it's been player discipline it's been concussions it's been litigation against cheating teams, whatever you want to call it. It's been blackballing Kaepernick. It's been like like everything, basically everything. And you guys have even failed to mention the sham like breast cancer donation thing that oh, was going right. on. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. The, oh my god! Like, even if you <laughs> that was I, big. I see. Yeah, we forgot. Oh my god. <laughs> even if you your thoughts on Kaepernick, whatever, whatever. Your thoughts on, you know, CTE, if it's real or not, whatever, whatever. But they were sham donating for fucking cancer research. Like, that's that's just morally bankrupt. Like, that is just fucked. Like, there's yeah. no way around that. So, yeah, great fucking answer, Kellen. That was Thanks, exactly, man. That was a solid fucking choice, mm-hmm. man. But, but, yeah, man, Goodell... One for my blog that I, I write from time to time, the one of the first things I wrote was about Goodell, and that was in 2016, and it, it hasn't gotten any better. So, so yeah, man, that that man's got to go. <laughs> He's got to go. Yeah, good riddance, Roger. I I can't wait for the day you step down, man. Cannot wait. Yeah. So everyone gave their bunder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's everybody. All right, All right. so now trans- right along. transitioning to the next category, we have biggest what if of the decade. So just sort of thinking about one particular incident or one particular action 
that you could change to change the the landscape of the decade or if you know one piece would have fallen in this particular position how that would have affected everything for my for biggest what if for the decade i'm cheating a little bit only slightly my biggest what if is what if the Knicks were able to draft Steph Curry. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Steph Curry was drafted in 2009, so that's not cheating a little bit, but this is a decade where, I mean, Kelly, you alluded to it earlier, where, I mean, Steph Curry now is someone who is emulated from kids and, you know, college and up. And so he's changed the whole way the game is played. He has. And so a part of that is those early teen. Staying a part of those early Warriors teams that were decent enough, but then getting, um, you know, Steve Kerr, who is a godsend to him because he was, you know, Mark Jackson, you know, you, you're decent or whatever. You got to the finals. You couldn't win with him. But anyway, so Steve Kerr was decent. Oh, I'm sorry. Mark, Mark Jackson was decent with him. But Steve Kerr was really the one to elevate that team to the next level. And mm-hmm. so if so, you know, the Warriors are one pick. They got this, they got Steph, and they're the, the seventh pick, and the Knicks are the eighth pick in the 2009 draft. So if it's some situation where the Knicks get that draft pick, like the literally the entire landscape of the NBA as we know it today is completely different. Um, we don't have, you know, the revolution of the three ball. We don't, I don't even know if we, are we really even into analytics as much as we are? Like, I feel like. I think that was happening regardless. Stat nerds love their stats. Yeah, I think it was coming. Yeah. All right. I'll give you guys that one, but, (laughs) but no, I mean, not like dismissively, but no, like, so the revolution of the three point is gone. Um, Kevin Durant never has a reason to go to Golden State. <laughs> he, he stays in Oklahoma City, and who knows what they could have built there. Um, maybe even Kerr goes to the Knicks because you know he was you know, in consideration for the Knicks. He was like, from what I remember, like he was like a second away from going to the Knicks, but then you know he remembered they're the Knicks, so he didn't go to them and he went to the Warriors instead. Um, so the entire Western Conference, like that whole landscape is different. Like if if the Knicks get their hands on probably the greatest shooter of all time, like the, the entire landscape of the NBA is different. Um, I think even LeBron has an opportunity to win more championships. Um, you know, and maybe they maybe Steph never comes the greatest shooter ever. Maybe he's just what if like Steph becomes what James Harden is right now, just a scoring, oh ma- just a scoring machine that doesn't do shit on defense for the most part, and then flames out in the playoffs? Like, what if that was Steph's destiny if he got drafted by the Knicks? Like, how terrible would that be? But, <laughs> wow. But yeah, but yeah, man, that's my biggest what if of the decade. That's that's a great answer, sir. I like it. I like it. Try, I try. So, George, what's your what's your biggest what if of the decade? This this was e- this was the easiest one, I think, for me. What if Tiger Woods didn't have a sex addiction and a whole bunch of injury problems? Ooh. Like, see, I that. thought about that, but I thought that was like at the tail end of the last decade, so I didn't do it. But but like he, so the 
he but gets no, the, it affects his decade for sure. Go yeah, ahead, yeah. his his uh, his then wife Ooh, Elon breaks the windows of the car as he's in the driveway. That was like oh nine, and so he kicks off twenty ten, and he's still in like mental fog, divorce, all this other stuff going on. Dating Lindsey Vaughn at some point uh, in, in that period, who's now going to ma- marry PK Subban. <laughs> so going through all that, he's back injury. He's had his back fused. He's had multiple back surgeries. He's had hip surgeries. He's had knee surgeries. He got pulled over in Florida because he essentially overdosed on prescription drugs, which caused him to register uh, driving under the influence. It was a really bad decade for Tiger Woods, save for the last year and a couple of months that he's finally come back and, and won a Masters. And when he exited the last decade, he was four majors behind tying Jack Nicklaus with 18 for the most by any golfer in terms of major championships. And he's only added one to that in the last 10 years being the masters this past year. So that's probably, you know, it's, it's tiger and you never count tiger out, but, and he still kind of got an outside chance at 42 or, or 43 now to catch him with three more. Um, but that's the biggest, what if like at some point, if he was healthy and didn't have all these personal problems and issues and divorces, you got to imagine he would have strung together four majors in there somewhere to tie him, if not break to tie Jack Nicholas, if not break 18, that's, that's going to be like the big question for people like golf people and tiger fans that are just like, man, you know, what if, yeah. And you, you left out the part where he became obsessed with the Navy seals too. And like spent so what, 18 that. months walking <laughs> right, yeah. up and, and doing training exercises with them and like living, like not living the seals life, but almost like playing, uh, a grown-up version of pretend running around with the Navy SEALs for a while and then that messing up his back and everything else as well. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, I, I love you, Tiger, but you should have passed Jack this decade, man. One, one in 10 years is is unacceptable. I'm glad you got there at the Masters this year. That was a big moment for me, seeing you come back for your first major since 2008, man. But it was too long w- without, um, without any... Uh, any majors, man. So that that was that's a good one, George. A lot of good answers tonight. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, what about you, Kels? What's your biggest what if? This is a personal one for me because every time I mention his name, Angel makes fun of me, and she's like, "Oh, isn't he hurt?" And I'm like, "You know what? That's really messed up because that really hurts my feelings." Um, Derek Rose getting injured in 2012. Come on, Kels. LeBron yeah. smashes them in the playoffs. That's what we know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. Derrick Rose is definitely a, a B hyphen athlete of the decade. Like him, he, put CM Punk up def- there. Those are, <laughs> those are like on the list. I don't of care. Athletes of the decade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know if it would have made any difference in an Easter conference and things like that, but I definitely feel like it made Easter conference easier without him around. And it took him seven years to kind of figure out how to be a competent basketball player without being hurt all the time. What year so, did he get hurt again? 2012. I mean... Or it, was, it was actually 20, the, yeah, the 2013. No, thir- 12. Yeah, because it was the 2011-2012 season, the strike-shortened season, the blockout season. I mean, he had them wavy-ass jerseys and the Adidas shoes. 
Nah, Kel, I, I can tell you what would have happened. LeBron would have smoked his ass in the playoffs again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, I have Steph Curry as our answer, well, Marcus, so that's well, mine. Actually, well, actually, you know, being serious, the funny thing is, so if, let's say he even stays off his injury for like three or four seasons, and they finagle to get actually Mello to come because wasn't he the well? Because I know he forced his way to go to New York for whatever fucking reason. But if you couple that, so let's say Mello does not force his way to New York, he waits until the end of the season until his contract expires, he goes to Chicago, and uh, him and Rose are in Chicago together, and then you get Apex Mellow. That is a good what if. I think if that's the case, and we get uh, Mellow and Rose versus LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals, that shit is actually kind of popping. I can get, I can get with that. I, I I I mean, see, you you just it made me look good, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um. I don't I don't know, man. I, I just really feel like it it like for it, it cha- I feel like it changed the way that um I mean obviously with Steph coming on as he did and then him shooting his and being a three point shooter and everything and then revolutionizing the game and things like him and Westbrook were like one of the last point guards that we'll see that really will constantly go to the hoop with like reckless abandon and stuff. And it, it, I mean, obviously Derek Rose serves as a cautionary tale and then Russell Westbrook serves as a selfish tale of, um, of how to not be a point guard in 2019. And you, you just don't know, like the, you don't like, you don't know if Bimelo comes to the bulls. You don't know if the bulls are able to, or if uh, Thibodeau is able to outcoach LeBron one year in uh, Spolstra and get him past the heat. And you just, I, I just really feel like it kind of swung everything in LeBron's favor to not have that really big player in the East for years and years that could go against him, even when he moved back to Cleveland. And I, I, I just feel like that, that, really affected the Eastern Conference as a whole for several years. Because it was it was just like, a coming, especially coming off of the MVP season, I just really think that without with that injury not happening, or even if it's a couple years delayed, like you said, that it, it could change things. Like maybe maybe LeBron decides he wants to stay in Miami if he, has to, he takes a couple L's to Chicago mm-hmm. in the playoffs or something, and maybe he doesn't go back to Cleveland until now when he's a free agent, and here he is as a um, in season what seventeen in L.A. Now maybe he's doing season sixteen and seventeen in Cleveland now, and he stayed in Miami to battle against Rose because he had a true rival. Like I, I don't know. Like it's very personal, and it's not. And I can see y'all laughing and everything. It's, it's a really weak take, but I, I just think it had a bigger effect than some people think. Um, I wouldn't say it's weak. That's a lot, but you know. Keep keep going on the what ifs. What if you know Thibodeau got into a sex scandal and he got fired? <laughs> maybe, maybe that would have saved D Rose's knees. So yeah, because I mean, I with the workload he was he did doing, get fired eventually. Um, but not but not soon enough, buddy. Not soon <laughs> enough. But um, but yeah, I I think the workload that Thibodeau had on him. It was inevitable, unfortunately, especially like you said, like Rose is like always attacking the basket. And I mean, the same shit happened to D Wade. Like, 
I mean, you know, his eventually, you know, all that shit came came, you know, came to a head with him as well. And that's what actually I I kind of feared with John Wall a little bit, like uh. like just attacking the room and then, you know, now he's gonna be out for two consecutive seasons. So um He so, dunked yeah. the other day though. Doesn't that mean he's coming back Tuesday? Uh he dunks. Well, no, I saw he was doing practice shit, but I didn't see like the dunk or whatever. But I'm fairly certain I saw him do a, do a dunk in practice the other day. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, it wasn't like a, a rim rock or anything. It was just like a standing dunk. But I was like, I was like, oh well, maybe he's. I mean, he's comfortable enough to do that. Maybe we will see him at the end of the year. But they have no, no reason to do that. No, be we, yeah, it'll be it'll be massively stupid. Like they. This season's already a fucking wash. Don't put this guy's knees on the court right now. So, but uh, but no, Cullen, that was not a weak what if. We appreciate the what ifs. Yes, we know we know the answers to the what, what ifs. If CM Punk never left in 2014. See, there, about- there we go. <laughs> there you go. There you go, buddy. All right. Now the next category I had, it was kind of a fill in the blank. So. I had overrated blank of the decade just to see you guys your creativity and also to see if you can give like the scorching hot take because I'm I think my take is the hottest of the night from this category. <laughs> but uh, mine came from a place of hate. So okay, go. I, I go know first that go I'm going first. <laughs> definitely going in my Sith mode on this one. So go in. <clears throat> I I went simple. I went overrated player of the decade. James Harden. Uh, I thought wow. you were hotter than that now. Well, I, I didn't say it was hot. I said they came from a place of hate, man, because and I just don't... I mean, yes, he's a great scorer. I've talked about this on the pod before. He's similar to, let's say, young Jordan not being able to get it done in the playoffs, scoring a lot of points and not having any help. I mean, he's had help with Chris Paul and then Westbrook, and we're and I don't want to forget the fact they they almost beat Golden State in 2018. I don't want to say anything about that. Um, the Rockets did that as a team though. That wasn't just Harden, and then they disappeared the last two games. I just this guy is in so many people's eyes like they're like. Here, I'm just going to say it. I listened to the Simmons podcast, the Book of Basketball 2, about James Harden, and he did yeah. it with, um, I can't remember who was on the show. I think it was Ryan Rosillo. Oh, was it Rosillo? Because I, I, I think... Uh, it was either Rosillo um, or Chris Ryan, but I know what you're talking about, but keep going. Yeah, because I've been listening to that, man. And here, and Simmons has long been on the train of, why did OKC trade Harden? Like, he literally made millions off of that take and just riding that take for years and years. He's still making millions off of it. Like he's still talking about if they stay together, you know, they, they could come <laughs> back and win multiple titles. And, and it's like, it's, it's over with bill. Like the trade was now six years ago, almost seven years ago. And Simmons, and I've heard other people do this and they're just like, like an announcers, media people, ESPN, FS1, whoever you want to call it, YouTubers, kids. Like, I like James Harden. He scores so many points. He's so good. And and he has a, he has that step back three. And and James Harden can really take over. He scored 64 points the other night when they played Sacramento. That's incredible. Blah, blah, blah. And he hit four, 14 threes. And, oh, my God, James Harden is so – like, no. James Harden, like you mentioned, he – is only out he's he's only out for his points is what it is. He wants to get his points, he wants to hit his threes. 
And he has he got to Houston. He became the man. They gave him the reins and said, man, do what you want. We traded for you. And, I mean, when he came to Houston, he was a six man. And, like, everybody knew he was good, but they didn't know he was that good. And he just being the only dude in Houston for so long and being able to do what he wanted, yeah, put him in an MVP conversation. Like, there's people that will still say that the year, the first year stuff won, 2015, that he was in the conversation for MVP. And I agree. Like, that season, I would say that James Harden played really well that season. But he's just become this epitome of a selfish, stat-driven player that it, I just don't see him having big moments where it's like, I, I don't know. You just—it's kind of like the same thing I used to say about LeBron when I was young and dumb. I'd be like, you know, LeBron doesn't have any killer instinct, and LeBron only does this, and he wants to pass the ball. And be, I was like Skip Bayless, except I was like twenty-five. And I'm sorry to hear that. I know. I mean, I—I I was, except I was a, a rotund black dude, and. I just I just don't see it with Harden. I, I literally feel like he's the same criticism that Jordan always got with. He just wants to fill the stat sheet, and that's all he cares about. If they win, cool. But, I mean, he, he's literally just padding his Hall of Fame resume just based on what he does stat-wise. And he just seems selfish, and I just don't think that he will ever win an NBA title as – you're one of your best two guys on the team. He might win one and he's on a downswing his career as like a veteran dude that comes off the bench or something, or he might be the dude who ring chases at the end and catches one or two towards the end. But I just don't see why he's just such a phenomenal player. I just don't get it. Uh, George, do you think that we are basically spoiled by the triple double because mm-hmm. the triple double is so normal that is not impressive anymore. Like when Russ was stat chasing or stat padding yeah. in OKC, the first season it was like, all right, cool. But then he like just kept doing it. Um, do you do you agree with Kellen that you don't think you are you impressed with sort of the the offensive game for Harden? Because I'm someone that's I think we do sort of take for granted how offensively great he is, primarily because, well, he doesn't do shit on defense. And we know that, like, in the playoffs, this this season at least, they're they're probably not going to do shit in the playoffs as far as getting to a title is concerned. Mm-hmm. But do you sort of agree with Kellen that uh, Harden is probably is overrated? I, I want to respect him for what he's done but man that euro step trash i hate that shit man like it's <laughs> it's like i i don't have as i'm not as strong a, as i am on kellen like all right james harden's a good basketball player but he ain't he he's a good offensive basketball player like you got to you got to do something on defense he don't even you just you just go look up the shack in a full highlight to him just standing there like a pole on defense and people dribbling around him like he ain't even going to try on defense because he's just going to go down and you know, prol- score prolific score prolific score and makes moves, but like I can't. I the, it, it that ain't basketball. I don't know. I just I don't. That's where we're at. Like I don't like it, but I mean, like I want to give him his due, but also like I hate the way he plays. But also, yeah. like yeah, with the triple double, it was. I mean, Oscar Robertson, literally the only guy ever that that did that. And then now it's just like, oh, everybody's averaging a triple-double now, and don't even turn your head when you're reading, you know, the score from the game. Like, oh, someone's got a triple-double. It's like, okay. Um, so it's – I don't want to – I don't know if it's devalued it at, at all, maybe a little bit, but just like we're living in a different era of 
of greatness and talent. Um, but also at the same time, like you said, these guys are padding and be able to manipulate the, the stats to their own advantage and nobody can stop them. So it's just like, well, we're going to rack up the stats. Whereas like in, in 10 years ago, people passed the ball more. So, um, but yeah, no, I can't, it's like respect to James Harden for what he's been able to do, but like, that's not my style of basketball. Nice. So see, Kellen, it, it's not really a hater take people. People do agree with you in that instance. Like I, I do think that cause even going back to the 2018 finals, I think actually if they happen to beat the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals that year, I not 2018. Oh no, yeah, 2018. If they beat them in those finals for that year, I do think the narrative around Harden does change. And then it's like, well, yeah, they can actually you can win with Harden being your best player. But I think people sort of even forget how great Chris Paul was. And then his injury basically got the Warriors to back in the series and ultimately hasn't won the series. But I have to say something. Wow. The one and only time in my life that I will give Chris Paul's respect was that Golden State series. <laughs> I, I will shit on him for sitting out those last two games. They're saying is because of his hamstring injury. I can say what I want, but I know that his hamstring really had to hurt him to miss those two games, man, because he played out of his mind, and it, it was literally the only time in my life I've ever enjoyed watching Chris Paul play basketball was that 2018 Warrior Series. Jesus. You can continue. Is, is, Chris, is Chris Paul the most overrated player of the decade? Oh, I'm not allowed that. to answer that. Oh. Yeah, he's not. Well, <laughs> everybody always talks nah. about they want to play with Chris Paul, and then it's just like, why? Why do we want to play with Chris Paul? Like, what is? It? Well, no, he he's a great facilitator. Like he and you know, well, when he was a little bit younger, like he he was good on defense. Uh, he can shoot. He's not he's not overrated, guys. Come on now. Come on. John Stockton on any of those Clippers teams, and I bet you they win more in the playoffs. Well, See? John Stockton is probably the greatest point the greatest player to play point guard ever is probably Stockton. But you know, people talk about Magic Johnson and Steph Curry, but that's that's neither here nor there. But um but uh, he's not overrated, guys. He's, just, he's not overrated. But let's move on. Um, uh, Chris Paul. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My podcast. Most, most overrated uh, Kellen take. Fuck Chris Paul. <laughs> uh, but, uh, gee, what's your most overrated blank of the decade? Uh, I, 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 I'm excited for yours because I, 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 I can't, I didn't get creative. I should have, I tried to get creative, but I'm not that creative. It's just, it's like Kellen. It's mine's overrated, most overrated team. Uh, this is also going to like come from a place of hate. I got, I had a lot of candidates here. Kansas basketball, I think has been overrated for the last Shit. 10 years. Oh. Um, just <laughs> like, How about that? Stroke, blah, 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 this and that they play in that stupid barn and they're the. Best team in the conference for 15 years running, and they get all the calls. And it's they're not they're not actually that good when you compare them to the rest of the nation. That's my opinion. Minnesota Vikings football, I hate them. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just Let something. the hate flow. Are they me. rated high now? I that's the, that's the thing though is that they're not rated high. So really, that was a dumb one. But I just wrote it down because I was like feeling the hate. Um, my runner up uh, is the Yankees. They've gone. This is the first decade they've gone in their history without. Uh, winning a World Series, 
Last one World Series thing. Ten years ago, it is a beautiful thing. And it was like, oh, watch out for the Yankees. Watch out for the Yankees. And they paid all this money for these people. Like, Congratulations for the four hundred million or whatever they're going to pay Garrett Cole to, you know, go twelve and five this year. Like, good job. Uh, okay, still- Aaron Judge. Yeah, Aaron Judge and Mike Giancarlo Stanton, all this stuff. Um, I actually like this. Is, this comes from a place I hate, but I think it actually bears out a little bit in the numbers. I think the most overrated team of the last. 10 years are the Pittsburgh Steelers. There you go. You talking my language now, baby. For for as much as people have hyped the shit out of them, and and we live here, so like, you know, it's kind of like you get more of it than the rest of the country, but it's like, oh, Steelers this, Steelers that. They are, when we look back at this in five or six years after, I mean, sadly, and maybe not, Antonio Brown currently not in football, Le'Veon Bell's in New York and Roethlisberger's injured. When we look back on this, there they it's the three best offensive players on a football team i would say since the cowboys triplets since aikman and irvin and emmett smith to have three guys that were literally now ben hit or miss you know there's a and that's the same thing with aikman like aikman wasn't necessarily the best quarterback in the league but antonio brown was the best wide receiver in the NFL, and Le'Veon Bell was the best running back in football at the same time with Ben Roethlisberger, who was still above average um, for for the position and 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 still a good quarterback. And the best thing they've got to show for it is getting there, uh, losing at home to Jacksonville, and a couple of losses uh, in New England. Like no Super Bowl. But we're putting aside the game against the Packers there, which was way, way early in the decade, and that was pre-Lev Bell, if I'm correct. But oh yeah, yeah, they they said they 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 had those three guys, arguably the greatest offensive triplets since the '90s Cowboys, and they really don't have anything to show for it. That's that's my, fuck the Pittsburgh Steelers. Exactly. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love this segment. Can I say fuck more people? I, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Go, go ahead. Uh, I'm drawing blanks now. Jesus, um, Kelly, you fuck, had it, fuck Kelly. Kershaw. Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma football. Fuck Oklahoma. Um, fuck the Big 12 overall. <laughs> Big 12, yeah. Fuck the, fuck the Kansas City Chiefs. Fuck the whoa, whoa, Chargers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fuck going Bronco. Against, going against old Raiders. <laughs> Shouldn't you be saying, like, fuck Al Davis for having a terrible son who can't own a team? Or... Fuck John Green. Oh, um, no, what? come on. It's not his fuck the Vegas move. Um, <laughs> what else? Fuck, fuck Derek Rose's knees injuries. <laughs> fuck fuck CM Punk for leaving fuck. WWE and making me sad. Um, man, this is this is going to turn my New Year's resolutions, my New Year's fuck you list. Um, what else? Um, let's see. Is there anything else I got in there? Um, no, I'm good. I'm good on that now. Uh, f- may- maybe I- I- I'm not. Go- uh, this is just how I feel in this moment. I may change in the next couple of days, but fuck Rise of Skywalker. Can I say that too? Wow. Wow. Has George, have you seen Rise of Skywalker yet? The, the new one? Yeah, I yeah. haven't seen the new one yet. All right, well, Kellen, don't blow it for him, Kellen. I'm not gonna blow it. Did, have, did you like, or did you didn't, did, or did you not like the Last Jedi, George? <sighs> I, I, I just 
you got to suspend like in a safe space. It's okay. You got to like suspend, you know, some thing. I'm not, my roommate's really into it. Like I've seen all the movies up until this point, including rogue one. Um, so I'm not like as in on the details or anything like that, but it's just like when I'm asking him shit, like, so she's just, you know, so he's just on this Island now and he comes back. Oh, how do they're just like suspending belief of what, you know, the star Wars canon to be, to make some of this shit happen. And I think that's like where, where you lose people like me, where like I could follow the other storyline, like, Oh, okay. Da, 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 this and that. And it's like, no, you got it. Like, this is, so no, I it was like I, it's the action stuff was fine, like you know the, uh, the some of the action shots and stuff like that were fine. I can't stand the whole um, Finn and that Asian girl. Like it's just like you're gonna make it happen or not, you know? Like what, you know they they keep te- teasing the <laughs> story. You going, are you going to get the draws or not? Man? Exactly. Like just like just just go ahead and and and, and get it over with. No, this. Oh, what about Ray? I don't know. And then the girl die. The other girl dies, and what it said. So it's like that type of stuff was. I so no, it wasn't. I I wasn't that impressed. Fighting scenes. Some of the fighting scenes were good. The action stuff was good, but just like the whole storyline and that type of stuff was a little bit hard for me to wrap my head around. So. If they would actually got busy on camera, that actually would have been that actually would have been the greatest thing. See? There you Disney go. Disney probably could ever did. So I'll give you that. Um, I think you'll like it, George. Okay. I'm, I'm, I was just saying yeah. fuck stuff. I'm still I'm still very conflicted about where I'm going to settle in the movie because I just saw it two nights ago. Um, Kellen, you're not so. conflicted. I don't. I am. I I am conflicted, man. Kellen, you're and, not. And I'm going to discuss it at some point when I'm ready. I'm not ready yet. And guess what? You won't be conflicted then either. <laughs> All right. So now speaking of fuck people, now this is the hottest take I think of the evening. And you guys let me know if, if this is the hottest take or not. I'm excited. I'm excited. If, if I wake up my, my sleeping child, you'll know it was really good. Now for my overrated blank of the decade, I'm going overrated Hall of Famer of the Ooh. decade. This is someone who... Even if you ask just a Joe Schmo on the street, they'll know his name. Oh, yeah, he's he's a Hall of Famer, whatever, whatever, right? Wrong. He's a Hall of Famer, but he is the real fuck this guy on this side of town over here. So my overrated Hall of Famer of the decade, Tom motherfucking Brady. And let me give you just some quarterbacks in the playoffs that this man has played and you tell me if you wouldn't be a Hall of Fame quarterback against these fucking quarterbacks so a little future Hall of Famer Mark Sanchez Tim Tebow fucking Matt Schaub Brock Osweiler Alex Smith Jared Goff these are the people Flacco. <laughs> Flacco numerous times. These are people that he's had to face that we build this whole Hall of Fame sham argument that he's the best. He's better than Montana. He's better than Rogers. Like, no, he's not. Like, like the funny thing is, he hasn't been in the playoffs this decade. He never beat a Manning. He lost to Eli twice, and he lost to Peyton. Uh, he lost to Peyton twice too. 
Um, no, he lost to Peyton. Uh, not, not, he lost to Eli once. He lost to Peyton twice. He actually lost to Mark Sanchez in 2010. Like, they lost in 2010 to them. But, he, like, the road to the playoffs has been super easy for the Patriots for a decade and a half, basically. Um, like, he's fucking Tebow. He, he had to play Tim Tebow in the playoffs one year. Like, I'm not giving credit for that victory. Fuck that, man. And the the Rams Super Bowl last year was legit the worst Super Bowl I've ever watched in my entire mm-hmm. fucking life. Yeah. Like, and he lost to fucking Nick Foles. He lost to fucking Nick Foles and the skunk Philadelphia Eagles who should have never won a Super Bowl of any time. <laughs> and they won. That's really coming from a place of hate right there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, like they should have not have been Russell Wilson if it wasn't for the worst play call in, in pro sports history. So that should have been an L. Like, nah, man. Overrated. Over fucking rated. I'm saying it. Overrated. They did nothing. George, you you wanna you wanna tackle that first? <sighs> I People, they don't win these Super Bowls by much. The first three ones, they only won the field goal. Beat Carolina by a field goal. Super Vinatieri, like, literally won them three Super Bowls. Beat Carolina by a field goal. Beat Donovan McNabb and the Eagles by a field goal. Beat St. Louis years ago now by a field goal. They, and then they won this last one by 10 points, but like Marcus said, that was the worst Super Bowl in the last, like, 20 years. Um, this is, like, the weird prob- problem is, like, you have to say he's the best. Oh, who's the best? Because we talked about like this. Well, we we you know value the ring over everything else. Oh, he's the best quarterback of all time. Like nobody has taken Tom Brady first in a game that I need somebody to throw me a sixty-five yard pass to save my life. Like nobody is picking him first. You're gonna pick Aaron Rodgers. You're gonna pick. Drew Brees. Hell, you might even pick Philip Rivers before you pick Tom Brady. Like nobody's, <laughs> nobody's gonna put him in. That's like the dumb thing about this. Like, oh, Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. But like, fucking Austin and I have this argument every time where he tries to bait me, baits me. He's like, oh, people are calling Aaron Rodgers the best of all time, and I try and like give him nuance, and he won't take it, and it makes it pisses me off. Like, like I am now, but <laughs> it's. it's it's like if if I want some if you if you're looking at who is the best quarterback that plays the position of quarterback the best probably Aaron Rodgers right now in the NFL. Who is the best quarterback that has had the most success in one? Yeah, it's Tom Brady. But n- again, nobody's picking him in a in a throwing contest for accuracy if you had a gun to your head and like I need somebody to complete this pass. I'm not picking Tom Brady. I don't care how many Super Bowls he has. He, he's just not a good throwing quarterback he's made his system work throwing 10 yard five and 10 yard passes to his white ride receivers running crossing routes and the one year they got the one year they got randy let the consume you and the one year they get randy moss oh look suddenly he can throw 70 yard touchdown passes because he's got the best wide receiver arguably in nfl history so no it's I, i agree with marcus on that point that it's like we have glorified him for these rings that are mostly belonging to Belichick being able to be able to put these, you know, scrub guy. Is it Danny Amendola? Is it Danny white? It's it's the same looking guy. They're they're, they're Danny white. 
they're five nine. They're white. They got a beard, and they run. Julian slant. Edelman. Edelman. That's just they're all the same player. They've had for ten years the same player, even though it's been like five different players. Wes so, Welker. Welker Gronk. Like it's so in terms of who can play the position better, he is not the first choice. But in terms of being the best, most successful quarterback, yes, he's the choice. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I can be on board with what Marcus is saying here. Oh, I forgot to mention. Future Hall of Famer Blake Bortles. Like, That's right, Jacksonville. Like, Jacksonville came within like a touchdown of beating them in New England in the AFC Championship game. That's how just stupid like that two was. seasons ago. Exactly. <laughs> That's how like, stupid it was. Like they benefited from the worst play call of all time, and they benefited from the greatest collapse of all time. Like, like. <sighs> oh my god man i gotta say man i do have to say that my favorite quarterback personally has always been joe montana and i've debated about it on the pie with myself before especially after he won the last one i was like is he the good like can he really be in this conversation against all these other quarterbacks and from the what you both are talking about from the position of playing the actual quarterback position no he's nowhere close I cannot wait for the day, and I hope it happens, that he doesn't retire beforehand. I cannot wait for the day where Brady is gone, and then even though it'll be another Patriots championship, I cannot wait for the day that Belichick is able to have another quarterback win him a title just to prove that it was more the system. Because if you put Tom Brady in any other system for his this same amount of time, he doesn't win any Super Bowls. I really do believe that. So it, it's a lot of luck. It's a lot about who he's played in the competition. I mean, the things that he has done, like the, the Falcon Super Bowl was like, he's always going to be able to hold that over everybody's heads. The, as much as that is on the play calling and on the defense, not being able to figure anything out on the second half to stop the Patriots. Ultimately, he's the one that led them back. And he's the one that led many a drive down the field to get Venetari in position to kick that winning field goal. So is he a winner? Yes, but it's because of circumstance. So I, I can definitely, it's not as hot as you think, but I, in, the, in the mainstream opinion, uh, it would be a hot take. But in this safe space, Marcus, um, you're not going to get any arguments out of either one of us. <laughs> I mean, because the thing with Peyton is this, I'm sorry, the thing, the thing with Brady is the same thing with Peyton. Like, they benefited from being in the shit division, which playing shit teams twice a year. And they literally just had to keep it together for the playoffs to get him there. Like, because Manning in the play in the Super Bowls that Peyton has won, he he beat Rex Grossman and Cam Newton. Like, 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 oh my God! Like, it's you you can't get credit for being uh, above average against shit competition. Like, it's it's. It's just not for me, man. I, I, I would even pick as a, I'd pick Aaron Rodgers. I would pick Montana. I would even pick Russell Wilson as a mm-hmm. quarterback. Oh, um, you can do even like Breeze, but, but yeah, man, I, I can't be going for no Brady, man. We're not going. And freaking no Simmons so. was killing Breeze on his podcast earlier this week. Like he, he just, I don't know. I keep listening to him, man, because he, he just sounds dumber <laughs> and dumber. The more I listen to him, he was like, he's like, those aren't true. Like, he's like, those are should be asterisk records and everything. Like, he didn't earn those. He played in a dome his whole career. Blah, 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 blah. And then Cousin Sal comes on. He's like, yeah, but if Tom Brady breaks those records, you'd be all over. He'd be like, he'd be all about it. He's like, yeah, I would. Yeah, I want time because Tom Brady plays in 20 degree weather in Gillette Stadium. Blah, 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 blah. 
Like, get the fuck out of here, Bills. And, 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 and he also plays the Dolphins and the Jets twice a year. So, what and we- the Bills, most of the time, who are also bad. Yeah, yeah. let's say seventy percent like of the time. In the last, yeah, fifteen years. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're we not riding for Brady on this side. All right. So next category, I have uh, sports moment of the decade. So now we're closing it out to. Um, to we have we have four more left so this is one of the final four we have so for me for my sports moment of the decade um something that's never been done in the history of this professional sport before i think it's really obvious but we even talked a little bit about it earlier tonight but Cavs coming back 3-1 uh like the block, <laughs> the block, the stop and the shot, or the block, the shot and the stop, or whatever. Um, those are literally moments that have not been replic- have not been done in NBA history, and probably can't be uh, replicated. Replicated, yeah. Um, I think the three-one LeBron coming back really cemented him in the conversation of being the greatest ever. Um, and it really changed the the it changed the trajectory of the league because for whatever reason, like well, not for whatever reason, but if the Warriors win that finals, Durant stays in Oklahoma City, um, and so they don't become just they don't become the super dominant force. KD doesn't do this massive hill turn, and then he doesn't have that 2018 finals that we were raving about earlier. So. Uh, but the moment itself, like Game Seven, um, go out, going into the game, like I literally had no clue who would win. Like I didn't have any predictions. Um, the game was the game was kind of a rough watch, but it was still a very tight game the entire time. And then you know LeBron did LeBron things. He he legit had the greatest defensive play of all time <laughs> on the, yeah. the stage where it mattered the most. Um, yeah, man, it's it's got to be three one for the Cavs. You get no argument about me because I had mm-hmm. I had written down the the block, the shot, and the stop. So yeah, I looked at my I looked at Angel because I watched the game with uh, with Angel and I watched my friend Thomas, and I was like, let's have another baby. That's how excited I was about how incredible that was. And she's like, really? And I said, no. But if there's ever a night that you can get it, it would be the night that LeBron James came back from 3-1 to defeat the Golden State Warriors. Just so y'all know, my current Wi-Fi name is Warriors Blue, a 3-1 lead. Um, so that's the name of my Wi-Fi in my house. That's how big of a moment this is. Um, that game was not well played. There was several times that I thought Warriors going to pull away when JR caught fire and brought him back. What was it? Eight, an eight, point, um, eight points from JR, like, out of nowhere when they were starting to flail. That yeah. that was incredible. And I, I don't even feel like in that game, I know that he didn't shoot the best. I, it just feels like, like Steph didn't have a, like Steph didn't have a great game statistically. And obviously he, he got stopped by Kevin Love when he could have tried to take it to the hoop or, you know, done anything. And like he had Kevin Love stopped the unanimous MVP from went to possibly winning game seven. Uh, he had that happen to him, but game seven is just a, it's a whole different vibe, man. Like Steph, every Steph one of those players. Yeah. Steph, Steph was four from 14 for three in game seven. Yeah. And, and, and 
I don't want to call it a choke job, though, man. Game seven's a different animal, man. It really is. Uh, sub 28% from three from the greatest three-point shooter ever. Um, yeah. If I that's... Mean, I'm okay. I'm okay with taking that stance. I'll I'll die on that hill for stuff in that game, man. And like, even if you look at the the Warriors, like they they went away from Clay in the second half, and they they didn't keep him involved. Draymond played out of his mind. He was assist away from a triple double, and even even in those final couple possessions, man, like any moment it felt like it could have turned for the Warriors. And I mean, if Igudala doesn't change his shot direction. LeBron doesn't catch up and that goes in and and it's just there's just so many what ifs that just broke Cleveland's way and then with and like even with everybody talking about how Curry is bad at defense and and that's why he like when he got caught out on the switch against Kyrie like he was right there in Kyrie's face that was contested shot yeah. and Kyrie still drilled it in his face and then we missed out on the biggest moment that would have been bigger than the block is if LeBron had been able to slam that damn ball on Draymond's head. That would have been the greatest dunk of all time it if would he have makes been. that dunk. It would have been. Like, the way he cocked that ball back, he he would have broken his hand on the rim and, and broken something was going to get broken. It was going to be Draymond's spirit. And we all thought he broke his wrist when he came down. But that would, we missed out on that. But then just seeing the Cleveland, this is for you, and – and the tears, and uh, it, it's just, it was an incredible moment. And like you said, it will never be replicated because even if this season, if someone comes back 3-1 in the finals to take it, it's not going to have that same drama of arguably, in my opinion, he's he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Having the greatest basketball player of all time have that narrative of going back home to Cleveland, a place that he left to go be with better teammates just – six years earlier and then for him to turn it around that way and win that title man it's just incredible so you get no arguments out of me on that one marcus <laughs> yeah i the later category we had was a game of the decade and so uh that is my game of the decade as well like you you, you said it completely um but yeah that that was a spectacular game uh, but George, uh, what's your sports moment of the decade? Man, a lot of good moments, a lot of great moments. Um, whew. we mentioned LeBron. We obviously we talked about Malcolm Butler and the pick. Cubs won the World Series, first time in a century. Kobe Bryant dropped sixty in his last game. Um, my, I think my moments. Yeah, oh man, this guy's a good ones in here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go college, and it's Chris Jenkins for Villanova. Oh, I looked at that one. Winning the national championship on the final shot of the game over North Carolina. That was wild. Like that, we've never seen something like that. Like NC State in '83 won it at the end, but like just you know takes the pass and it's like, oh shit. And then he hits it and everybody just loses it. And the confetti's coming down. Like, yeah, that's really cool because college basketball has kind of been, you know, pretty much one-sided and, and we really don't have buzzer beaters in a national championship setting. We have them in the, in the tournament in, in, in March madness, but to win the national championship like that. And I don't have any ill will toward North Carolina, but it was kind of cool to see Villanova win just cause it was a little bit non-traditional. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, that was, 
that that that's that's kind of that's a special moment and we got a lot of there's a lot of good buzzer you know i mean hell Kawhi on the eight bounces last year uh to to beat to knock philadelphia out after philadelphia shit talked him the entire series like that was you know that would i mean like that th- those are the moments that stick out to you but i think i'm, I'm gonna give it to chris davis or chris jenkins uh for villanova winning the national championship 2016 yeah man I, that was a phenomenal shot so that's that was undeniable he's immortalized in college basketball history and, and there's not a lot of chances for that to happen in college sports anymore mm-hmm. man because everything is so driven the certain way and like when we were coming up as kids you talked about um NC State or Jordan hitting the shot in 82 or any of these other great football moments like even even like who was it Cal and uh, uh Stanford with uh running through the band yeah. and everything you see yeah. see all the all those crazy sports moments and then like in our lifetime there really isn't too much like you have missed field goals and and winning winning touchdowns or and and big shots and, and things like that but to with it all on the line for for the whole enchilada for for Jenkins to hit that man that that was that was a that was a moment man so that's a, that's a solid choice if there has to be someone that's not going to immediately cop the Cavs Warriors I, I'm glad that you picked that one yeah all right so I alluded to about the next category um, we have for uh, game of the decade um, I already said mine uh, game seven Cavs uh, Warriors 2016. Uh, but George, what's your game of the decade? Kellen kind of alluded to it uh, with honorable mention to um, game uh, six of the 2013 finals. Ray Allen uh, hitting the shot. Ooh, that could have been a moment. Best that could, yeah, that, that that's I, I got I didn't. That, I was close on that. If I, if I was more of a Heat homer, like I probably would put it up there. But like that, what they're down. San Antonio is is up by three and five seconds away from winning the series and Ray Allen hits the three to tie it. And then Chris Bosch gets the block in overtime and they force it to seven. They, they were roping off the court already, man. Yeah, They were roping off the court. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of a wild that how close San Antonio was to win in the series. And then they end up and, and then Miami comes back and wins it in game seven. Um, 2000 game for me, game of the decade, 2013 iron bowl. Kick six. Oh, There's wow. one. There are there are few besides like bowl games. Like I had the Oklahoma or Oklahoma State game on the back. I'm watching the Cheez It Bowl. Like you know, I, I the bowl games I keep on in the background. But there and, and I'll watch like the prime time. But there are a few games that I like. Man, I want to watch this game besides WVU games. There are a few games that I like set aside for that. One of them is typically Georgia Florida. And another one is the Iron Bowl. Like, you're always going to get something good or something crazy out of the Iron Bowl. And they went back and forth. Auburn was, Alabama was number one, two-time defending national champion, undefeated going into the game. Auburn had one loss, was number four going into the game, number five to number four going into the game. They were down by two touchdowns at one point, went back and forth. Alabama was favored by 10. Auburn scores and ties it with like 30 seconds left and Alabama gets close enough to, you know, to into Auburn territory. And there was like this thing where Nick Saban, like, 
you know, challenged and he said that they had enough. The clock ran out, but he thought there was a second left to put back on the clock so they could kick a field goal, which would bite him in the ass because it fell short. <laughs> and Chris Davis ran it back 109 yards. Like, that's just kind of like with, with um, Chris Jenkins for Villanova. Like, rarely as a college athlete, you know, nobody's really going to remember your name unless you have one of these like transcendent moments. And like, this was a, a game and that kind of moment, Alabama doesn't go to the national championship and when the, is denied a third straight national championship, Auburn goes and eventually loses. Um, but like that, that was a wild game to watch. So a lot of good, a lot of good choices, but Super Bowl, some Super Bowls in there too. Um, but that, that one for me sticks out. It's a great choice. Um, that was that was a wild moment. I, I wasn't watching the Iron Bowl that year, but then when I saw that photo on Sports Center, I, I mm-hmm. just couldn't believe it, man. Like to have the 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 presence of mind and be like, you know, send a, send a returner back there. I know it was the longest field goal in Alabama history, but mm-hmm. still, you know, it's like, <laughs> it, there, why would there be a chance of him running that thing back? And it, it, it it's, that's another good one, man. Excellent choice. Yes. Kellen, hmm. your game of the decade is? It's not the Warriors' calves. <laughs> <laughs> would you mind giving it to us? I, I would. Um, here we go. Mine is a game seven. It also happened in 2016. Mine is the World Series. Damn. Game seven. <laughs> that That is a great answer. That was a great answer. Yeah, because, I mean... I, I, I cheered for the 90s Indians. I've been over this. Like, Kenny Lofton was, like, my favorite player next to Griffey as a kid. And I loved the whole uh, Albert Bell and and uh, Ramirez. And that's one of the reasons why I followed the, started following the Red Sox, because Ramirez was a Red Sox. And then that worked out for me <laughs> pretty nicely. <laughs> and then it's just I love those teams and then once they started breaking up especially after heartbreak in 97 when Hargrove leaving I just kind of got away from it and then eventually I went with the um the over to the Red Sox and stuff once Manny got there and like I mentioned things happened but the 16 man for both of those teams for it to be those two teams two cursed teams and it'd be the narrative of the Indians who haven't won a World Series since 48 George am I right yeah okay and then the the, then the the Cubs, 1908, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, look at me. And so <laughs> for those two narratives to come together and it'd be those two teams and then just have that whole drama. And then the, weren't the Indians up 3-1? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. I know that's painful for you. No, but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, the, the Indians being up 3-1 and thinking that they're finally going to do it the same year that, that the um, Cavs came through and then the Cubs battling back and then game seven and it really just being this tug of war throughout the night and odd uh, manager strategies happening and then it all coming down to a rain delay where the Cubs were able to kind of rally and get their shit together long enough to win the game and the game lasted like what five and a half hours. That's just a guess. It was a long ass game. And I came to work the next day and I actually worked with a Cubs fan. So he was ecstatic and he was very sleepy just like me. But as much as uh, people were talking about that Cavs game, I really feel like a lot of people that I didn't even know was 
watch sports in their spare mm-hmm. time. Like they, they were coming up and talking about that game seven. And it really felt like as much as we watch sports as a whole on television and as, and, um, as a group and you look at the viewership and it's like, Oh, this many million people watch the finals and stuff. Like it really felt local enough to me that it felt like everybody that I knew was literally watching game seven, as long as they were awake that night. And to see it all come down that way and for the Cubs to finally break the curse and see the heartbreak again for the Indians. Um, that, that was my favorite game in a decade, man. Uh, if I have to, pick a baseball game to watch out mm. this past 10 years i would like give me give me cubs indians game seven man that was to to your point that was the most watched world series game in 25 years game seven of the 2016 world series wow wow yeah i mean it, it was <laughs> it, it, it was something else man and it, and it wasn't like it if I had to, and honestly, as, even with the rain delay and stuff, and people saying I don't like baseball, baseball boring. <clears throat> I had to show you this is why I love baseball. Mm-hmm. I, I would totally pull out That'd be seven that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's just so much drama with it. Yeah, like I, I was because I was super close to not finishing that game. It was so fucking late, like. Yeah, man, but that's it was still a great game nonetheless. Nonetheless. All right, so we have two categories left. We have Ashley the we, we didn't get you, we didn't get your game, did we, Marcus? Yeah, game seven of Oh, Warriors. that's right. Okay. Where is Cat? He slid it in during the last okay. category. <laughs> that's what I got. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have two categories left. We have athlete of the decade and team of the decade. Um, so we're going to do athlete of the decade first. Uh, G, what is, who is your athlete of the decade? The fun part with athlete is that you can kind of go off. I like going off the board as Kellen knows with some things, things that people mm-hmm. might not, might not think of. And with athlete, you can do that because you're not beholden to, you know, not Tom Brady, you know, or somebody from a team sport. So with all with all due respect to to Usain Bolt, who gets an honorable mention here for athlete of the decade, um, the greatest tennis player of all time, Serena Williams, is the athlete of the decade. She is my athlete of the decade also. (laughs) I mean, bravo In this decade. I, I got all the numbers for you in this decade. Number one for 186 straight weeks that tied Steffi Graf's record for consecutive weeks atop the number one ranking in women's tennis. Won the U.S. Open in this decade three times, won Wimbledon four times, won the French Open twice, won the Australian Open twice, won the Serena Slam in which she won four consecutive majors. She won the 2014 U.S. Open and then Wimbledon, the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and the French Open um, all in a row from the end of 2014 through 2015. And the cherry on top, besides the fact that she had been so close, she's been to the finals of Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Yeah. (laughs) She's been to the finals of Wimbledon. It is Drake's fault. Wimbledon in in the U.S. Open the last two years and and lost in the finals of all four of those. Um, The cherry on top is that she won the 2017 Australian Open while pregnant that's that's just where we leave it so serena williams greatest uh athlete of the decade yeah so this decade she had 22 grand slam wins um in total 
Uh, and 20, but well, you talked about the four consecutive mm-hmm. uh, between 2014 and 2015. Um, within that streak, she had 33 wins mm-hmm. uh, in a row. Um, her record versus her record versus so this is kind of a weird stat. So her record versus top 10 opponents whose first match that she played in 2010. So mm-hmm. basically, she played them in 2010, and from between 2010 and 2019, her records against them were 76 and 17. Um, she was ranked number one three times in this decade between her early career in 97 and 2009. She was only ranked twice. The, she finished the end of the year ranked once, twice before then. So mm-hmm. she did three times in a decade. Um, and she submitted herself as even beyond just woman athletes, she submitted herself as being one of the greatest American athletes that we've ever produced. Ever. Um, so yeah, man, I the decade belonged to Queen Serena. Mm-hmm. And and the difference with you know, we'll also sh- shout out to Roger Federer, shout out to Nadal, shout out to Djokovic. Those three guys have dominated men's tennis for the last decade, but it's been the three of them. There. Yeah. Other people have won some grand slams in there, but there is nobody that is on Serena's level. There yeah. are people, you know, some people have won a cup. Uh, Simona Halep's won. Bianca Andrescu, who's uh, Canadian, who's just won her, beat Serena in the U.S. Open here a couple months ago. But there's nobody that's really on the level of Serena Williams. Whereas, like those three men are all Nadal. You know, you have the debate: who's the, who's the best? Nadal is it Federer? Is it Nadal? Is it Djokovic? If he wins a few more, like you can still have that debate. There's no debate that it's Serena, and there's nobody else. Like that's that's just the list. <laughs> Yeah, she's also had four doubles Grand Slam titles and one gold oh, man. doubles yeah. Olymp- uh, for the Olympics. So yeah, she won the won the gold medal. Her and Venus have like that's the other crazy thing is like people don't realize that she's playing. You know, she's going out there and playing singles matches, and then her and Venus also play doubles like in these tournaments at the same time. She played right. with, at, at Wimbledon. She played with uh, Andy Murray uh, in in doubles. So like that takes a certain you know effort from you as well at the same time. And she's also won like, I think 12 with, with, uh, uh, 12 grand slam doubles titles with Venus, you know, all these years too. So, yeah. Yeah, man. So that we pick the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you Kels? Who's your athlete of the decade? Mine's Tom Brady. No. Oh. Psych. I got LeBron James. Nah, there we go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Um, if it ain't yeah. Serena, it's LeBron. Like it really is. I think it really is those two. Like in the stuff I've been yeah. reading, like in terms of the whole, like we didn't really know about Steph Curry. Steph Curry didn't come around until like the middle part of the decade. If we're really talking all ten mm-hmm. years. It's LeBron and it's Serena. Like it has been their decade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I battle for years about liking LeBron. <clears throat> like I, just like Kobe before. There's nobody's ever going to replace MJ. So y'all, anybody, whenever that conversation comes up, I'm just immediately against it. But the game that changed me, man, it was it was more a very, fairly recent game. It was game one of the uh, 2018 finals, man. And seeing the game that he played against that Warriors team because LeBron knew they had to have one in, in Oracle if they were going to have any chance in this series, um, especially after what happened the year before. And seeing LeBron play that the way he played that entire game, there was a point where the Warriors were up like, let's say six or seven points fourth quarter. And I turned it off 
And I was like, I'm going to watch something else. Like, I know this game's over. And I started turning on something else, and I look on Twitter, and maybe, Marcus, you were tweeting, but NBA NBA Twitter was going nuts that the Cavs came back and they had taken the lead. And I was like, holy shit, like, what? So I turned it back on, and sure enough, man, LeBron literally had, had put the team on his back to take an old joke from a YouTube video. And was carrying the Cavs to the finish line like that. He won that game by himself. Mm-hmm. And if George Hill had hit a fucking free throw, <laughs> and if and if J.R. Smith wasn't a dumbass and thinking about how shirt like if he was going to go shirtless in the clubs that night, mm-hmm. then maybe they still game one. Do they win the series? Probably not. I mean, it's still a very long shot. But having one in Oracle and then having three at home, um. Knowing you can still get three at home, then maybe you still win it in six. It's it's possible. And in seeing seeing that game, I was like, all right, I just got to <laughs> give up LeBron. He's like, he's the greatest of all time. Because as many as great moments as Jordan has, man, like and as many times as Jordan put the Bulls on his back, I have never seen a performance like that. And then you just add in the, the straight finals from eleven to to eighteen, man. There's just mm-hmm. There's just nothing like it. I mean, like you said, what Serena has done is phenomenal, and what LeBron has done is phenomenal. And the fact he continues to do it in season 17, um, yeah, it came up a little short in, again the other night against the Clippers, but he's still in the top 10 players of the league at, at his age and at this stage in his career. So uh, he's my athlete of the decade. Two different franchises. Like, we don't, we don't take that in, like, I feel like we yeah. don't weigh that enough where it's just like, Okay, he's been to eight straight finals. It ain't like Bill Russell who won eleven titles and won all the Celtics. Like he he went to a different. He went to Cleveland with a coach that was picked before he got there that he didn't like, and then they switched coaches and all that other type of stuff. And they still went to the finals. Like that's Mm -hmm. like that type of of shit is amazing. And they should have won in twenty fifteen if if they have a healthy Kyrie and Love. I, I I'm in the bandwagon to thinking they would have found a way the the game that actually made me a lebron fan was from this decade um before my relationship with lebron was always like he's been so overhyped like he's he's a rookie coming into the nba and they're calling him you know king james like he's like an 18 year old what is he the king of acne like (laughs) like so he was he was like really overblown when he came in. Melo should have won Rookie of the Year over him, but he didn't. Um, and so I really had sort of a re- really standoffish relationship with LeBron until Game Five of the 2012 um, Eastern Conference Finals versus Boston, uh, and that was the game where he had not Game Five, Game Six. I'm sorry, Game Six. Game Six, where he went for 45, 15, and five. And that's, to this day, that's legitimately the greatest game of basketball I've seen any player play. Like, you know, from from watching it from real to real, not just the highlights, but watching it from in the end. Like, I have, I've never been more impressed by a basketball player in a game when the stakes are all on the line. Like, you can, you can tell, like, he feels the gravity, the gravity of the situation like, this is the second year in Miami. They lost, you know, first year, obviously. If they lose in the playoffs, not even in the finals this year, 
you know, they're gonna they're for sure gonna blow everything up. But he literally has the game of his life. Um, at that point in time, he has the game of his life, and the cap the Celtics could not do a single fucking thing to stop him. And it it was it was super impressive. So um, yeah. I do, I do agree that he should be. If Queen is definitely the woman athlete of the decade, he's definitely the man athlete of the decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the game that turned me to Marcus because I was fully on my LeBron hate train until Game Six in 2012. Man, because that Celtics team had no business being up three two against that Heat team, and yeah. LeBron was literally going into the Garden, and everybody thought it was going to be 2010 all over again, and he came out a new like he redefined his whole career in that game. I remember yeah. I was I went home that weekend to um see my family and my dad turned on the game and I was like I was like oh well, let's see what's happening and I was thinking the Celtics be up and I don't remember who was calling the game but they're like LeBron has 40 some points and mm-hmm. the Celtics have had no answer and we watched the last a couple minutes of it and I was like yo he literally went in the garden and said fuck you I'm winning this game yeah. and, and it changed the whole trajectory of his career Yeah, yeah. man mm-hmm. So, the, he has finally earned the King James moniker. <laughs> he is he has legitimately earned it. So, what a what a stellar career he's had. Like, and like like I was saying earlier about Kevin Durant, I do think it did take getting away from just the hype of LeBron, getting him like even it being in Miami like that. You know the we're not going to win one, not going to win two, not going to win three. Like getting further away from that hype. And I do think we're going to look back, and we should look back at those LeBron, those LeBron years in Miami as really being really incredible. And I think the further we get away from 3-1, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to age super, super, super well. So um, I think LeBron has fulfilled the prophecy that Nike and everyone else tried to push when he was um, coming out of high school. So... I'd say so. Yeah. All right. So the final category, we have team of the decade. Now this could this could be either a, if you want a franchise of the decade where you're going from real to real, or if you just want to have a specific team of the decade, it can be any answer that you want to go with. Um, so George, we'll, we'll get you first, and Callum will get you last. But mm. George, so George, what is what is your team of the decade? Uh, so I went I went the big route in terms of franchise, kind of you know, big picture. I'll give you with the honorable mention respect to Golden State Warriors, Alabama Crimson Tide football. The San Francisco Giants won three World Series. Penguins, two Stanley Cups. Blackhawks, two Stanley Cups. Um, unfortunately, the team of the decade uh, is the New England Patriots. They have won. We, we've already we've did, told you the reasons why they're the team of the decade, because they're not playing against anybody, really. Yeah. Um, they've won the... They've won the they've won their division now um, for 11 straight years since 2009. Including this season, they've they've won the AFC East eleven straight years running. Um, they have been to the Super Bowl in that period five times. They've won in twenty eleven, fourteen, uh, or they've been to the Super Bowl five times, and they've won it 
three times just in this decade in 2014, 2016, 2018. Um, it, it goes into a yeah, great quarterback, won a lot of Super Bowls. Not the best passing quarterback, but he is the greatest quarterback whole big picture, if you want to call it, uh, of all time in Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, both you know named to the all, uh, NFL 100 all-time team and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I, the Warriors came close. I think if the Warriors would have pulled it off again against Toronto, that might have given me the bump to put them above New England. Um, Alabama's close in there too, just because like they're they're never not contending. Like Clemson, Clemson's been around the last couple of years, but not at the beginning. Like Alabama, since Nick Saban has been there, has been like, oh, is Alabama going to win the national championship this year? Like you're always talking about Alabama. They lose. Yeah. They 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 don't even play in the SEC championship, and they still won a national championship. Like that's so that's that's how good <laughs> Alabama's been. Uh, over the past decade, so we can't overlook uh, Alabama, but I, I I give the slight. I'd say Patriots one. I'd say Golden State two. Um, I'd say Bama three. Mention Miami in there, even though that was the beginning of the decade. You know, we thought not one, not two, not three, and it ended up only being two. Um, but yeah, that's uh, those those are the teams of the decade for me. The um, twenty sixteen robbed the Warriors of a four peat mm-hmm. technically because yeah. I mean. If if that game bounces anyway, that game seven, man, you, then there's a good. Of course, we don't know if KD actually goes to Golden State if they win. If they do win, and, yeah, yeah, right. But so that's up in the air. But I mean, it, it definitely derailed them. Um, derailed a, a possible threepeat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I went for the. I just went for the specific team of a specific year, and we talked about them already. Um, a couple of times here, but I'm going with the the 2000. Well, actually, let me pose this question. So it, I am picking NBA team, but can you guys think of any time in in you're watching basketball where there's been five Hall of Famers on a, a single basketball team that they can legit put five Hall of Famers on the floor at one time? Mm-hmm. I can send out three with those with Pippen, Jordan, and Rodman. Or the Celtics with Bird, Matt, um, with uh, Bird, Parrish, and McHale. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's that's three. That's not five. Um, <laughs> that's not five. Those Celtics teams that won all those titles, like they out- Russell was consistent, but it, in the early on, it was like. I don't even know if he's a Hall of Famer. It's like Sam Jones, Kuzi, and then it became Havlicek and stuff. But it was never for five at the same time. Yeah. So my my team of the decade could could have and did trot out five Hall of Famers at once. Um, I'm going with the the 2018 Warriors. Um, Steph Curry, already the greatest shooter of all time. Clay Thompson, probably top three of like heat check players of all time. Kevin Durant, probably top three greatest players ever of all time. Um, Draymond Green, I think Draymond Green is going to get a Hall of Famer as being one of the best defensive players of his generation. Mm-hmm. And Andre Iguodala, you know the the veteran leadership that he mm-hmm. you know had in his career, um, I think he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, and couple, it's it is. I think it is interesting how they could have lost to the they could have lost to the Rockets, but they didn't. That 
if the Cavs win that first game, maybe the momentum swings in their in the Cavs' direction, but they don't find a way to close it, and then they just sweep them in the in the finals anyway. Um, and who knows what would happen if KD doesn't get hurt, or you know if if Clay doesn't get hurt in these last finals from 2019, but. Um, but the 2018 Warriors, like they were basically everything that you want in a basketball team, minus not having you know a really solid bench. It was decent enough, but it wasn't super super deep, I guess. But um, but that team, I think, when I look back, is one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. It's an excellent choice, my friend. We've Chris talked a lot about the Warriors. Chris Paul's only Western Conference Finals appearance. <laughs> Jesus, (laughs) man! I know Kel appreciates that. (laughs) I had to to throw it in there. I had to throw it in there. That's why you're a three-time guest, George. I I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) So my answers change, guys. Ooh, because right. I, I went decade like um like George and me and Marcus discussed it beforehand. I, I was leaning Patriots before because um despite it all, man, like what Belichick and company has done, and I will always give Belichick credit before Brady. What they've done up there is incredible, despite no no matter how much anger and resentment and tuck rules there are. There's just um nothing that can be so they're my runner up. There's just it's incredible what they've been able to do in this decade, another three Super Bowls after going through that drought in the previous decade after they won the first three. So kudos to them. But my favorite team of the decade, my team of the decade is the 2013 Boston Red Sox. Ah, <laughs> Let me tell you. In 2011, we haven't had much Red Sox on here. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Yeah. In 2011, man, when when they were killing the league, and I was still a young kid working at the shoe department, I would get uh, I would get text updates about about the games. And like as the summer went on, I just remember every time I get an update for a final on the on the Red Sox when I was at work, it'd be a W, it'd be a W, it'd be a W. I'm like, yo, we are killing everybody this year. I was like, we about to win the we about to win the World Series this year. This is dope. And then August happened. And what happened in August, we started losing and losing and losing. And the next thing I know, September's here. And, oh, the Red Sox are, are kind of falling out of the playoffs. They're falling out of position. What's going to happen? And sure enough, did we rebound and get at least into the playoffs after our hot start of the summer and being the best team in baseball? Hell no. We we literally lost it all. And we fired um, um, Francona. Mm-hmm. And, and then – Everything went to shit. Like all at like 2004, 2007, it's like all that's gone. We're cleaning house and it's like, oh God, it's over. Like now, now we're just going to be some also rants who don't want to compete with the Yankees and spend the money and everything. But this 2013 team, man, they came out of nowhere. 97 wins, 65 losses, beat my, a team that I hate, the stupid Tampa Bay Rays and the ALDS. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tigers. I'm sorry, Eric. I'm sorry, Maps. But they beat the Tigers in the in the ALCS, and then went on to face the Cardinals, who always seem to pop up in a World Series when you just need somebody to fill the NL slot, especially in the last 15 years. You feel like that's accurate, George? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, so they they come back and they start the whole they the playoffs are rolling and. 
they're they're winning games and then all of a sudden they all start growing their beards and then they got this whole Boston beard gang thing going and I'm watching them like and things are happening I'm like man we we might have a shot at this and I'm watching the the ALCS and how we um came back to win that and take care of business and then next day I know here it is we're in the World Series and Angel's like are you going to come to bed I'm like no the Red Sox going to win the World Series Red Sox going to win the World Series and I have to say the night they finally clinched it, um, when it, when they finally won it all, man, it it's probably my favorite sports championship ever because I feel like as much as I was with the 2017, I feel like I didn't earn 2004 because I was so new. I was like, oh, cool, they're champions. But it was like, I'm not really ingrained yet, you know? It was kind of like mm-hmm. they broke the curse. Yay, they're champs. But 07 felt like it was mine. 13 really felt like it was mine. And that night when they finally clinched it on October 30th, man, as many Bulls championships as there was and as happy as I was, I don't think I appreciated it in the moment because I was young. Like their last one came in 98 and like I was fully aware by the time 96, 97, 98 happened. And then I became a Bulls fan because Jordan was on the team in like the late 80s, early 90s. And they just started start rolling championships. So I didn't earn those either. But that 2013 World Series is always going to hold a special place in my heart. And I, I that's my favorite team in the decade. It, it's just those uh, 13 uh, Beantown boys, man. Well, hold on. Because earlier you said it was the Warriors that was your favorite team. So are you pivoting? That's my team. That's my team of the decade. I'm sorry. That's my team of the decade. Now, I'm not changing my answer from earlier. That was my favorite team to watch was the 16 Warriors. But this is my favorite team of the decade. All right. Okay. I said what I said. All right. There you go. So now that you said what you said, do you want to say one more thing, or G? Do you have one more hot take about the mm. sports of this decade, or or have you left everything on the field? Man, I I think I've left it all out here. I just the, the competition's been good. We've been we've been we've been lucky. We've been spoiled. Um, we're getting too used to to having this uh, success and dominance. I think the, the biggest thing is. Uh, how we're seeing, like, I think there was a time when we're like, oh man, maybe there's not going to be any dynasties, dynasties anymore. And we had some dynasties, man. We had, we had dynasty in hockey. You had a dynasty in basketball, obviously. Um, and I think that's and definitely in football with the Patriots. And I think that's stuff that people didn't think was going to happen after all free agency and this and that. But, um, it's exciting, man. And, and, and anybody can be, a, especially in the NBA now, anybody can be a contender. You know, you want to get two or three of your guys and be like, hey, every offseason, the landscape of the league changes. Like everybody's pissed off now that there's no, the ratings are down because there's, no, there's no good East Coast games. So <laughs> everybody, start, everybody starts wanting, you know, Marcus, they want to come back and play for the Knicks. Then there'll be some good East Coast games <laughs> again. Yeah. So. So we'll see what happens, but no, I think it, I think it's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting start to the to the 2020s. So. Yeah, I I left it all out on the field as well. Um, like I said, it's fuck Tom Brady on this side. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's fuck Pete Carroll for that terrible ass play call. Um, but yeah, no, I I do think that this decade was really great. Um, heading into the future, um, I don't know, you know, if the 2020s will be as good, but. Um, we were definitely, definitely spoiled for this one. So it, it's been a great decade. 
Shout out to the um, women's national soccer team too. Man. Yes. Yeah. Shout, shout out to, to those bad bitches, and I say it with the utmost respect, man. Because they will all kick my ass. I'm not, and I know that. So I don't mean it from a disrespectful way. And if Megan Rapino heard that, she'd know that. So shout out to y'all. Oh, I mean, they they definitely are a consideration for team of the decade. So yeah. they definitely kicked a lot of ass too. Yes, sir. All right. Kelly, you wanna wrap us up, big dog? I will do that, big dog. Roof, roof. So <laughs> um, guys, this has been uh Hyphen Nation brought to you by the Morgantown, uh, by um, Hyphen Podcast Group, a Morgantown, West Virginia based podcast collective bringing great podcasts to the people, hyphenpodcastgroup.com. And then also by my semi regular co host, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson, his site, Mark Rob, where he writes prolific pontifications about pop culture, politics, anything that you can think of. He's, he's so good at it, ladies and gentlemen. I don't tell him enough how good he is at writing. So make sure you check out his site. Puts a lot of heart, heart and soul into it. Just came out with a Rise of Skywalker piece that y'all should read if you've seen it, because there's a lot of spoilers in it. And that's located at themarkrob.wordpress.com. Again, that's the M A R C R O B dot wordpress.com. Thank you very much. George, any final yes, words of wisdom or things you want to say before we let you leave after holding you here for almost three hours. <laughs> no, it's been fun. It's been, it ain't captive when it's fun, man. Um, check out myself and the multiple mentioned, uh, Mike, the buzzsaw Osti on the howitzer and buzzsaw show search howitzer in Apple podcasts in stitcher and in Spotify download, subscribe for free. My words of wisdom. This is kind of appropriate. Uh, end of the year, end of the decade. I'm not, I am not that big of a New Year's Eve guy. Um, there's no, we oh, it's the end of it. If you don't feel bad, if like, man, I wanted to do this this year, this decade, it ain't nothing but a number. You know, if you if you have if you haven't done it in 2019 on 01 2020, you can do it then, or you can do it the day after. It don't don't let the end of the decade feel like something that's daunting for you you know whatever it is that you want to do or you haven't done or maybe you got some dreams or some aspirations or some things you want to go after it don't have to be a new year for you to to get rolling on those things so don't let don't let the mental the reflection and the mental uh block of it being an end of year or a new end of a decade um stop you from doing what you want to do and pursuing your dreams beautifully said sir (laughs) love it marcus you got anything for the people? I mean, how could I follow that up, man? That's <laughs> <laughs> a tough act to follow. Oh, uh, man. Um, earlier, I was talking to Kellen, you know, just sort of what kind of being an adult kind of is now. Like, you're looking to find things that don't make you bored. <laughs> so, I mean, I just building off of what G was talking about, you know what I'm saying, just... Just figure out what you want to do, you know, just think about things that you're interested in, uh, whether it's podcasting, whether it's writing, whether it's drawing, whether it's creating music, creating art, or even taking day trips to cities that you would never think to take trips to. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so just sort of just think of ways to not have life mundane. And if there are things that you want to do, but you just can't find the strength to ask for help. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people that want to do the same thing that you do. Uh, maybe they can help you do it even better. So 
So yeah, man, for 2020 and beyond, just put yourself out there and and chase those dreams, man. Also beautifully said. So guys, I really appreciate y'all doing this with me, man. It was a lot of fun. A lot lot of good memories shared. Thank you for having us. A lot of heartache over Derrick Rose injuries, but uh, we made it. And uh, (laughs) here's to the next decade being a, an even better sports decade than the 2010s, if that's even possible. So um, I'm just going to wrap this up very nicely in a bow. One more bow before the end of the year. We'll call it a New Year's Eve present, even though you're going to hear this on Sunday and it's not New Year's Eve, whatever. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Peace. That's it. That's it. Georgie boy. George, man, Great you killed shit. it. <laughs> really, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That was fun. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and comment. This has been a Hyphen Podcast Network production. They're the bestest. I'm getting paid at exposure.